listeners and viewers, and welcome back to There Will Be Dungeons at ThereWillBeDungeons.com. Today is a very special year-end Q&A episode of the show. We have now been doing this a year. We just finished the first major campaign. Our characters are tooling around town, and so now we're here to talk about what it's like to be in this campaign, what the DM was thinking, uh, where is uh, Nash's penis now, those kinds of questions. <laughs> <laughs> the real burning ones, uh, we're going to have those today. We have a special guest to help us with that. We'll get to all of that in a second. But before we do, a reminder, you should be drinking tea. What kind of tea? There will be Dungeons signature teas from phoenixpearltea.com. Like Bo Schwartz, our dungeon master. Bo, what are you drinking today? Today, I am drinking again uh, Diane Talis Archfey of Carnage because it has the same caffeine as coffee, exclamation mark. Nice. And you and like delicious. some caffeine, but you also like a good, delicious, hand-picked like heritage good tea. shot of caffeinated drugs. Mm, fantastic. That'll fuel Here the rest I'm of today's to my cup again. It looks good. Oh, look at that. That's awesome. I want one of those. It drains it at the bottom. Yeah, very nice. Like I oh, You can get them also at phoenixpearltea.com. Uh, Gwen sent it over to me. Oh, very nice. All right, well, there you go. That's all the encouragement you need. Go over to phoenixpearltea.com. Uh, you can just go to slash TWBD and you'll find all of our signature teas available for your taking. All right. Uh, let's get to this weirdness. This is a Q&A episode. We finished the first major arc, a full year of uh, content in the campaign. Uh, today's a chance to stand back a little bit, talk about our characters, talk about the campaign itself. We have with us a special guest to help moderate our questions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program, Ben Bumhofer. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. Yeah. Very much. Friend of the program, Aww. friend of the friend of the people, man about town, Ben Bumhofer. It's good to have you here. Well, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here as well. I mean, I, I got to say, being a fan of the show and just enjoying it every single week, I'm glad that uh, you invited me on to kind of help uh, dig in a little bit and see what's going on. Yeah, and don't forget, Ben was here uh, for a one shot uh, with my daughter once. And they uh, they were fun, and we should have those characters back at some point. Maybe that'll come up in the questions. Hmm, mm. I don't know. But we have I the usual know. fare with us. We have John, we have Bo, we have Kristen, Kyle, myself, Scott Johnson, and we are ready to roll. So let's just dive in and get to it. Before we start, though, Bo, as the DM, do you have any kind of like decompression thing you want to say, or like now we're on the <laughs> other side of this, and you're working toward the next? long chunk are you looking at it going man i sure didn't see that happening or man i hope this doesn't happen like where's your head at where's your brain at as the master of all that we do uh well i'm it's kind of i've been just trying to recover mostly <laughs> it's a lot of work putting this together every week and um so there had to be adjustments made to the schedule all that kind of stuff so i don't know for decompression mm. uh we're planning the next uh you know year of the there will be dungeons campaign and we hope to have more fun i hope to step up my game a little bit and change things up you probably won't see it on the show but change up how i approach our weeks uh going forward so nice. i'm not sure if that answers your question well all i know is <laughs> but, i mean we as we went along with this thing for a full year it's impossible to do it and not think about what it takes to put something like this on and truthfully it seems easy from a lot of people's perspectives i think even we'll have a week where i'm like Oh my gosh, I can't believe it, all the stuff we did. And then I have to remind myself that's only because Bo went through the trouble to make it happen. And so uh, hats off to our uh, Dungeon Master Bo, who probably doesn't get near enough credit uh, for how things go each and every week. Uh, I think you killed it last year. 
and it was uh, it was really fun to be a part of your world, man. Yeah, it was it was our world, but thank you. Sure. Well, it doesn't exist. We'll, we'll, you. Maybe we'll dig into that with some of the questions. I'm sure, but uh, you'd be surprised how much uh, comes from you guys as opposed to me. Well, let's have some questions from the audience, the other you guys, those who listen and uh, help us uh, do stuff every week. And it's so good to have so many live ones here, <laughs> live ones. And we have a bunch of people who wrote in all week. You used a Twitter hashtag. Thank you for that. And those who sent in emails, they are in the hands of Ben. And Ben will now ask whatever question he wants in whatever order he wants. So, Ben, take it away. <laughs> uh, well, first off, um, I just want to say that the, the outpouring of uh, questions and love that everybody threw you guys is just fantastic to see. Um, I wish I could include every single thing that was written in the emails but some of them were a little lengthy and they were just praising you over and over again and i didn't think you guys needed your heads expanded that much mm. so just know that everything that's asked came in with love oh but uh as is tradition i really think that we need to start out with a uh, question for Kristen. oh oh okay okay yeah Ooh. all right so uh roger brewer and if I screw up your name, I'm really sorry. No, I'm, um, I think you nailed it. That's probably exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, at least five years in that name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first question is, uh, what is Kristen's process for writing such zany and creative recaps? Okay. So the process is day before I sit down to actually write the alliteration, I write a summary. And it's a very short, quick narrative that I put together summarizing what happened, what I think are all the important beats or even all of the beats that happened. Then I sleep on it. The next day I open up uh, all of these synonym websites and I just go through it. And a lot of the time, half of it's deleted because it's not necessary information that you need to know to get back in this episode. And you got to have a fast clip. So then that's about an hour to two hours of work and it's done. Wow. That's a lot of time you spend making those recaps, though. I'm surprised. I, don't, I, I guess I knew that they took time, obviously, because you, you know, you seem to have uh, really great, lengthy, cool recaps. But two hours is a, is a lot. It's a lot of fun, though. It's I love words and I love language. And I think the most fun is when you find a word that doesn't quite work but maybe in the 1920s it could have worked <laughs> so you go with that and every you kind of get it and as long as everyone's on board with this new definition of what this word could be it works and it's fun and it's fresh yeah well i love it fresh, fresh. Yeah, if i may borrow a word <laughs> from Bach Bach. i mean they are definitely the cat's pajamas i'm i'm a big fan of them so yeah i often when i go. when i throw the mic to you i always i'm nervous is that weird that I'm nervous? I, cause, no. Because I feel like it puts a ton of pressure on you and not just because you wrote it and not because you just put all this thought into it, but the reading of it is intense. Like how you don't flub up more often. I've only heard you do it once or twice where it's like, oh, there's a word that was barely off. Most of the time it's like, ba-da, 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 and it's perfect and like dead on. I couldn't do that. So hats off. Wait, my hat's got headphones on it. I'd take it off, but I won't. <laughs> John, I think it's up to you. Hats off. Yeah. No, I'll just do the nod. Oh, okay. Good. Perfect. Just a proper <laughs> nod. John nod. Very nice. Uh, so anyways, in the spirit of recap, um, let's kind of talk a little bit about some of the stuff that happened in the, the previous episode and uh, a little bit beforehand. So uh, 
at Jacote asks, uh, what was the story with the four sets of armor that kept looking at party members, but basically just got completely ignored and left there? I thought for sure there must be some magical or animated or something. Mm. Bo, you want to answer that? It seems like a mystery for the players to find out. Mm. Right. <laughs> oh, I guess we are oh, no. still in the fort. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Mm. We got I mean, our first. You'll have to wait and see. Yeah, well, if now I gotta take a note. Yeah, right down. If the questions pertain perhaps to something a little farther back, okay. But they're, you know, technically we're still in uh, Tietkala and the castle, the keep is standing. It wasn't destroyed, so I don't want to reveal. The secrets of the keep. Because mm. there may be more. Yeah, mm. and that's absolutely one of the best things about being a dungeon master is that, I, I mean, just so everyone's clear, I've played before, I've DM'd. In fact, I DM John's other game. So, like, knowing the little intricacies of certain things that completely get bypassed is one of the fun things that you just hold on to until all of a sudden you could just spring it on someone. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I know that there's probably going to be things that you can't ask, but you know, maybe we can poke and prod and get a little bit. Never hurts to ask. I'm nothing wrong with asking. Exactly. If you don't ask the question, then you won't get any answers. Well, yeah, you don't, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah. Wise. I've heard that before. You heard that in the solar mines. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. All right. Well, Uh, well, yeah, go ahead. That being said, I hope that uh, you guys are actually taking notes because now you can remember that there's four uh, suits of armor somewhere that are kind of peeking around watching you. Hmm. Yeah. I made a note. <laughs> yeah, we'll we no find Gary. four naked guys. Yeah. We'll remember. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> They're naked right. ghosts. Yeah. Let's see, at 13 Vibrio uh, wants to know. And my screensaver just turned on, and now I can't see the question. That's awesome. <laughs> Make it up. They want to know what's up with screensavers. Yeah. Uh, wanted to know uh, what happened to the Toyota host. Was it destroyed by the Frog Hemoth or by the Tieflings? Uh, Toyota host that uh, that was that Tedna said that he had heard was coming to town to attend the wedding. Um, again, kind of relates to what we'll be doing, so. If okay. the characters didn't don't know it, then I can't really answer that one either. Gotcha. Mm. It's the Nissan host you have to worry about, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get you. The, the Kawasaki, Kawasaki host, though, they're no problem. No. Yeah, Chry- Chrysler's fine, though. <laughs> the Chrysler hosts? Ugh. <laughs> they're all old and craggly and complain about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> they're going at 6 a.m., but they're done by 5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. So from any uh, oface eighty three, um, could the group have saved the pixies, or would they have turned against our heroes when Monsoon Cabbage did whatever he did to turn them into the pixie hulks? Let me add to that. I wonder. Question. I wonder if I wonder if somebody else wants to answer this. Well, let me answer. I would say they would have acted like Pod. That's what I'm going to say. If they heard the command, it seems like it was implanted in them. Yeah, that's I, my theory. I was going to say the same thing. Like I don't. As much as I miss that character, and I wish there was another, well, maybe Diantalus helped move things along a little bit. But if <laughs> if there was a way to to do what I committed to do for her and her people, I would have done it. If there's still a way to do it for any that are left, I can tell you that Nash is very, that's a high on his list to do, especially in the wake of Pod's death. So if there comes an opportunity to save the remnants of 
of the uh, the Pixies, then I then then my character will push hard for that. But I'm not sure that answers this question. I mean, I think they. I my impression was they were all on a timer. They were all ticking time bombs, and I don't think they knew it. Like Pod didn't know it, and I don't think that the rest of them did either, which makes it even all the more evil. Um, they basically. I just watched uh, uh, Dark Crystal again, and I just I noticed for some reason this came in my head as I was watching it for another show. But uh, the the Pixies in our campaign remind me of the potato looking headed people in <laughs> that thing. They get enslaved and not you know they don't really do anything. They just it's all against their own will, and they don't even know who they are once they've been taken. I have a feeling that there's like a similar thing happening uh, with Pod and her people. That's my take. Bo, you want to add anything? I think that was a pretty good answer. I think uh, I believe it is a mystery because you provided such a good answer. All right. Could they have saved them? Uh, They could have tried to save them. Yes. Okay. Okay. I I will say. it It was an option that was accounted for in my planning. All right. Right. That's good I, I mean, as a listener, I got to say that every time that that Nash uh, uh, Nash Magar of the Solar Mines told uh, Pod, "Don't worry, we'll get there, we'll do this," I'm just like, "But do it now!" Yeah. Well, I mean, part of me always saying that was always like, or me responding, "Yes, I'll do that," was kind of me fishing around for the rest of the group to see if they maybe wanted to do a little detour. The problem is, it felt like every time there came up an opportunity where we could throw all our focus on helping Pod and her people. Mm-hmm something else major would happen or be more pressing. Um, it was a little bit like the way uh, the, the baseball thing worked out. Like we were all set to figure out what the hell that was about. And Bo had crazy rules for it and it was going to be nutsoid, but something came up and we were like, well, it's that it's, it's either baseball or this thing that seems way more important. And so we just did the other thing. So that's how it always felt to me. And I just figured she'd always be there. Like like my new baby hand. It would just always be there <laughs> and she'd just be resting there and invisible and we could count on her. Like basically became my familiar in some ways. And I and I and I felt a real bond to that character, like a legit one. So her death was rotten. I hated it. Yeah. I guess an, an interesting way to, to sort of bring some context around because what Scott's saying is true. Um that there were multiple avenues to gain access to the keep. And I put time pressure on the party. So they had to choose and they couldn't take a long time to choose. So the the avenue of the Pixies was not taken. Right. Gotcha. Now, just because, uh, you know, I, I've got to ask. We all know that Diantalus was in control, totally killed Pod. And, you know, John, you did check with everybody and kind of talked it out before it happened just to make sure that, you know, it was in character and everything. What would Stanley have done if he was actually in control that day? Uh, let's see. If Stanley was in control, he probably... I mean, he would have uh, waited to see how it pans out. Um, he, would have, he wouldn't have tried to kill um, Pod. At least not where he would have been story-wise at, at that point in his life. Um, maybe earlier in the campaign he would have also killed Pod, but uh, definitely not then. Um, he would have he would have let Nash play out and see where it went and and gone from there. Cool. Um, let's see. From Shep fifty one fifty eight, uh, going back to the Pixies, are there plans to actually integrate the Pixies into the society? 
since I know that Nash did have a big uh, push and want to, you know, save them and help Pod's people. Because, I mean, they are just kind of out there floating around invisible right now. Hmm. Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no one can see them. And there might be some secret decrees. It could be everywhere. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Who knows? Yeah, the there could be a pixie right here, right, right now. now. They might be seen as a threat to the kingdom. Yeah, that's, that's entirely possible. Because last time we had to face them, they were giant, huge, disgusting monsters. And if Monsoon Cabbage comes back like he said he would when summoned, I don't know if, the, if uh, Tiat Kala should fall to such disgusting destruction of property kyle did did you ever feel as varel like you gave a shit about the pixies i'm not you i think kyle <laughs> in real life i no. think kyle would totally care about the pixies but it, i'm but varel seemed to be pretty ambivalent about them am i is that a fair thing to say well that was rough because we got into town and immediately pledged allegiance to a guy who ended up being evil so but up until that point we would take away the drug of the people we're working for, which is keeping them sane, satiated. I fully believe this would have been a Bioware situation. We take care of the pixies. The place is overrunning with the 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 guilds, the uh, the crime organizations. We take care of the crime organizations. It's run overrunning with bugs. We take care of the bugs. Then the Toyota host would have shown up. It, no matter what, there's a villain in the final keep attack. Mm -hmm. The army could have been traded out by the DM. Mm. Right, Bo? <laughs> he's, not, he's not gonna say he's not gonna tell you that i, I really like kyle's theories okay. <laughs> do you ever get the feeling this q a might not be a lot of stuff from Bo? i get that feeling today that you I we're focusing a lot on tietkala which is prescient if we want to you know there's stuff in the past that we can probably dig into because it's not well, as relevant it, we're, we're just getting through the recap section and then there's plenty other stuff all right Sweet. I will add this, because Scott doesn't know this, but I think I told everybody but him, maybe? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I told somebody else, uh, was that the conflict I was most looking forward to during the Tiet Kala arc was what is going to happen when we have to tell Nash we have no intention of rescuing the Pixies? Because I was 100% certain there was no way it was going to happen. I just Because I looked at it the way Kyle did, which is if we go and free the Pixies, we make an enemy of Monsoon. At the time, he was our ally. I was just like, we're not going to go do this. It's not going to happen. And he keeps every week, we got to go get these pixies, guys. And I was like, we're not going to. It's never going to happen. <laughs> and I was just waiting for the moment that the party tells him, hey, man, look, we're not going to do this. Yeah. It's just you're going to have to go by yourself if you want to do it. I mean, I honestly felt I felt like that was coming. That statement was coming. It never quite did. It was just like we something got in the way and we got too busy to think about it. So it never quite got answered. But I had a feeling. And that's why I brought up Varel. Like Varel's, I, it did. It felt like my character really fell for this creature and found uh, some humanity of his own humanity in her, and nobody else was, or or for that matter, needed to feel that from her. But it, it did create kind of like not a rift, but like I knew that there was going to be a potential problem at some point. I just didn't know she and her people would be such a, a pivotal part of the conflict. And that they, you know, she was going to turn into a freaking twenty-ton Hulk thing that we'd have to fight, uh, which was brilliant. Like I didn't see that coming, and it provided a really great back and forth. And Diane Talis showing his 
you know, his fangs once again. And just, it was really awesome the way it all panned out. But, you know, I'm going to miss her. So I can tell you that for year two of the campaign, I'm going to, I'm going to have little phantom legs on my shoulder. Oh, and a real baby arm. Yeah. And a real baby arm. <laughs> It'll help um, me smoke my weed. It'll come around. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Does Nash still have the weed? <laughs> I do. I think I still have the cigarettes. <laughs> So actually, uh, something that I've noticed throughout the campaign, um, Scott, Nash has been incredibly protective of Hope, kind of up to the point where he got pod. And then, of course, he was very protective of her wanting to keep her safe. Do you think that there's that's just natural for Nash to, you know, have that feeling of I need to protect someone, I need to make sure everyone's safe? Or is it something that just kind of came to be just throughout the course of the gameplay. I'm glad you brought that up because this has come up actually in other conversations. Um, Nash was, by all intents and purposes, I was trying to make a character that I would never be like, so it would be fun to sort of live out this fantasy as this dirty, kind of disgusting, uh, you know, very damaged uh, piece of goods that had to find his way from his horrible origins and, and, and being part of this group and contribute in a way but also kind of be a little bit nasty and not not want to go along with everything and that was the goal that was that was who I was trying to make and it's not like me so I was aiming for something that's not like me in role-playing games I either go everything's like me or nothing's like me in the Nash's case he's kind of nothing like me except this one bit and I can't help it and I noticed it during the campaign and it came out and I couldn't stop it I cannot help but feel like if somebody's in trouble, or at the very least, if they're at all in a precarious and or vulnerable situation, I can't just let that pass. I can't do it. And that's true in real life. Like, it's hard for me. I'll see a kid uh, a mile up the road at the junior high, some kid pushing other kid. It is all anyone can do to stop me from whipping that car around, slamming on the brakes, getting out of the car and scaring the shit out of that kid who pushed the other kid. So I have this, and not that Hope, Hope is a very strong character. She doesn't need a lot of help. But there's just this, I get this feeling of like, oh, someone's got to get in there and take care of this. Uh, and, and, it, and it's hard for me to avoid it. So what, but what Bo didn't know he was doing is he was giving me opportunities to, to have that come out, even though I had no plans to. Like Nash should have been more ambivalent, should have been more like, whatever, take care of yourself. Or it's all for one and one for all out here. Like every man for himself sort of thing. But this is one, one little kink in his personality. Where he, just, he just can't help it. So he gets sentimental about that stuff. He wants to take that doll back to George's uh, kid. Like he's 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 got this little bit of of his human nature that he can't shake loose, and it probably gets him in trouble. The pod case is one of those cases, but it's impossible for me not to do it. So I think that was just my character's weird, and a little bit of Scott leaked in without even meaning to, and that was a surprise for me. Didn't expect it. Okay. Well, I mean, I think we're all pretty happy whenever a little Scott leaks in anyway, so right, it works out. Everyone yeah. likes yeah. a little leaky Scott, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, he said, chat room brings this up, says it's only women and girls. He never feels this way about men and boys. Well, first of all, we haven't had any boys, but yeah, I don't worry about the men in the group. They got it going on. They're fine. They, you guys thought of Tedna as the boy. Yeah, I was about to say, what do you think about yeah. Tedna? Yeah. <laughs> Tedna. You're like, that moron? He's just a little piece Tedna of shit. But, <laughs> but I admit, I admit it. I think I lean toward being overprotective of girls and women because 
that's a how is raised and b when you have girls your own girls there you just have a different level of heightened awareness to keep them safe I, I can't explain it it just is and so i think that bias probably does come out a little bit especially when hope was like you know nearly blown apart by her own doing but you know like she was in bad shape <laughs> it's like i don't know i have this just instinct to kick in and go all right where who can i help here who can i protect and if it's not i'm not going to help pharrell in that way i mean there's still the camaraderie and the friendships can form out of these things but He's a giant lizard. He's got he's got it figured out, you know. So I don't have to run to him and go, "Oh, protect the lizard. He needs a he, he's protecting us most of the time." <laughs> so Chatter makes a good point, but I think that's just that's just me. I can't help it. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and of course, you know, you you only protect Stanley half the time anyway, and the other time you're antagonizing him. So yeah, but he's totally the kind. Out. The relationship with Stanley is another thing that comes up all the time. The relationship for me, or at least from Nash's perspective is it's like a brother who annoys the hell out of you and you annoy the hell out of him and you're always poking at each other and teasing each other and stealing each other's fries or whatever <laughs> and in this in this scenario we'll do that up to a point and then when the shit hits the fan there's no question it's like you're razzing each other up until the minute that everything counts and then you're and then you've got each other's back Diane Talis on the other hand different issue but um but I think that's how I see the Stanley relationship. We can argue and fight all day, but when the rubber meets the road, those characters find a way to work together and make it work. Gotcha. So, Bo, you mm -hmm. probably can't answer this. Okay. But I'm going to ask anyway. Uh, sure. This is also from Shep5158. Let's see. Uh, he says, this is more for Bo, but if anyone can add their thoughts if they like. When the principal falls, assuming the party gets there, what's-her-face demon will be released uh, on Tietkala. But Katobal Praith will also be free. Would he be so inclined to protect Tietkala for the party, or is he unable to because of the deal that was made between the Medusa and the other demon? Or would he feel that that would be overstepping his current deal with the party? That's a great comment. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> players probably need to take some notes on that one. Uh, the way to find out about that would be to maybe uh, communicate with Katobal Praith and find out, uh, I don't know, find out what's going on. I have a you portal. Probably <clears throat> I have a portal. We can go. Let's go. But yes, yeah. it, that, that dynamic uh, is an astute dynamic that the workings of the Weirlords uh, may intersect and overlap and that a process, an entity might exist within the weir to preside over claims that conflict with one another. Yeah, we need to go tell Booby Weir Lord to calm her boobs. <laughs> boobies. <laughs> boobies. <laughs> Keep your boobies in check. All right. Um, also from uh, <laughs> from ship fifty one fifty eight. Let's see. So eventually, Diantelis will be coming back. Can we get some insight without spoiling things on his plans, how they've changed, and his views on the party and everything that transpires during the three-month break, uh, including what he is going to be doing during that time, especially regarding Varel and his new eye? Uh, so Diane Talis uh, has not reappeared since he uh, kind of went quiet after Varel attacked. Um I don't know how much I want to give away about the uh, the three month period that's going to go by. Um, 
but I will say that I don't believe any of the party has had any interactions with him in that time. So uh, he he has not appeared for a while, uh, both in what we've seen and probably what we will know when we start back up. Um, Diane Tallis at the when we last saw him when he left, he left very much feeling like he won. Um, he, you know, I know there's a lot of thinking that, ah, oh, look at him. He's afraid of Varel. Varel scared him off. And he's probably more than happy to let everybody think that. But Diane Tallis feels like he proved his point. He absorbed arcane energy from the cat, which he was very over the moon about. He feels like he proved to Stanley that he was right about everybody's going to betray you. He, he left high and mighty and feeling very good about himself. So... Diantalus is probably not in a very bad spot right now. He's probably just pleased as punched wherever he is. Interesting. So I've got to ask Kyle, how suspicious is Varel of Stanley? Like just day by day, never really truly knowing if Diantalus is there or if it's Stanley the whole time. Hmm. <laughs> It it goes back to that uh that vampire day where like Stanley was just off for the whole thing. So I think there's a good morning check with Stanley that happens. <laughs> and the character changes just a little too obvious, right? So obviously when we all wake up, first thing Varel wants to know is who's who's in charge of the body today. Outside of that, it's forces he really doesn't understand. So he hopes one day to, as he said, uh, strap Diantalus to a rocket and get him the heck out. <laughs> we all Very look cool. forward to that I mean, that's that where day. the rest of the elves are going, so. Sure. Well, yeah. Here we go. To all the right. west. Uh, Bo, this is a mm -hmm. very important question for you. Yes. I think you can answer this one. How frustrating was it that no one played even an inning of Blood Ball? <laughs> um, it, it was disappointing, but I couldn't lay it at the feet of any of the players. As, as I think we mentioned before, but I hadn't realized at the time, is that I did give them a lot of options. Mm -hmm. And they had to make a choice. And so I was like, oh man, it would be great. I think when you're when you're planning your sessions out, sometimes you make the mistake of anticipating responses and then building out scenarios based on those responses. And when they don't go that way, then, I mean, that's D&D. &D. <laughs> but yeah. it, it, sometimes you can get lost down a path of preparation that you miss that the players have to have buy-in or want to do it. And it is your job as a dungeon master, although you don't have to put a lot of pressure on yourself to give them the motivation to do the things you want to do. If you're, if you're really doing it right, I think like you could sit with your players and tell them, listen, I know you don't want to go in the cave, but you have to go in the cave because that's the evening I prepped when we play. So just even if you don't want to go in the cave, can we all agree to do that? But I'm trying not to do I try not to do that. I try to be like players want to go or they don't. Mm hmm. So I can't be disappointed. Like if I'm disappointed, I'm just disappointed in in you know my ability to push people in that direction. Except that was never the intent. I, the intent always for Ted Kala was to say, "Here's ten avenues to get the keep. Pick one." So I can't be mad when one is selected, which is monsoon. Mm. 
Yeah. And one of the things that I've always found from, you know, prepping just a session versus the next one or trying to get a whole arc going is, you know, never knowing exactly how far ahead you can really plan because you never know what the players are going to be doing. So just my question to you is, is how far ahead have you been planning and <laughs> like how in depth and detailed did you get all the different 10 avenues? Like say, if they choose this <laughs> so, one, we're going to do all of this. And I've been uh, week to week since we started because um, I am not, uh, I don't have a background in, in running tons of games for, for high level play. Like a lot of the bigger DMs you see, I run games for my friends. We all work, we're busy, they want to play D&D, so the night before I put some stuff together and we have fun. So that's always been my approach to D&D. And so that was my approach to this. I'm like, eh, I'll make up some stuff, it'll be good. <laughs> and it took a little more time than I thought. And also when you're performing in front of other people, you kind of want to come correct with materials. And when things don't look as good as you wish they did, you feel a little bit like, oh, I wish it could be better. And um, so we've been operating under this weekly basis. So part of the break... Part of the effort during the break is for me to actually say, okay, I'm going to try a new approach to how I do things. And I take what felt good about behind the scenes about prep versus that. So just to answer your question simply, it's Friday night. I'm prepping the show, which I'm still going to do because I think a part of what makes the show fun is the fact that I can respond quickly to changes in what I'm doing based on the weird shit that they do. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good example of that uh, just off the top of my head where I had to change. Oh, here's an example. Um, surprisingly enough, I really thought because of the Mad Max world, and I know I didn't really introduce them the right way maybe to do it, but I thought I thought for sure at least Nash and Varel would be interested in taking the chrome just because it sounded cool as shit to have a piece of chrome over your body. In my mind, when I'm prepping over here, I'm like, man, did they realize the bonuses they're going to get when they pour chrome? As long as they survive, they're going to they're going to have to gamble with death, but then, you know, probably they'll live and then they'll have like a metal arm and they'll get plus five to their attack rolls and they use it or something crazy like that when they get the chrome. And everyone's like, oh, chrome, Kishi, Jesus, chrome, you know, like uh, they were like, they were just like, no, they were like, no. And like all this stuff, I was like, man, we're going to there. There's going to be a journey for them to do the ritual to go through. It's going to be amazing. I had the cinematic like movie version running in my head and that just never came to fruition. Hmm. So interesting. They didn't take the Chrome and then there would have been a whole thing where they were members of the Chroma Kishi and what missions would they go on for the Chroma Kishi uh, and what I had characters planned out for them to meet and for them to study spiritually complete. I'm not again. It's not. It's like a misfire in my brain where I somehow made an assumption about a decision they would make, and that wasn't it. So, what's nice about doing things weekly is that I'm like, okay, well, all these ideas I have, well, you know, I can file that and then write new stuff. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so, uh, Orp came to be. Oh yeah, Orp. Orp's great. <laughs> Orp, Orp and Thailander, and and uh, what would cause a cyclops to run into town suddenly? He's looking for a guy that screwed him. Perfect. Mm. Great way to go. Um, just a quick follow-up, just because I'm always interested in just ideas for prep and how to make things simpler and stuff. Um, the the map that you made near the very beginning of the campaign, did you have an idea of what all the different destinations actually were and what was going on there when you gave it to the party? I just made a map with some cool shit on it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I had ideas. You don't make that stuff and not think about what they are, but 
Um, when we started, uh, I only had the idea of Dust Hill, mm-hmm. and I had all the characters of Dust Hill, and that went by so fast. Ten weeks went by so fast, and I was like, oh, "Crap, I need more stuff. <laughs> I need play the big <laughs> desert." And so, you know, Slave Town came to be, and as they were journeying to Slave Town, thankfully we had you guest on the show, and we had two weeks of um, traveling through. So I've got to work on this little underground laboratory from the scorching and I'm working on slave town at the time. So really it's kind of like I'm drawing the picture as we're going. So, you know, the stony tier, I have a general idea of what's on that feature of the map, but I don't have the map layout or the dungeon mm-hmm. or, you know, this particular stuff. Cool. Um, yeah, it, it's when you, I, first of all, when you play every week, that puts a pressure on making sure you, have stuff which is i didn't i didn't appreciate when we started okay great well uh that's kind of recap but that's all over hopefully bowie can answer a lot more questions going forward now so cool uh this one actually comes in from at rishi v sure uh what tools or programs uh like dnd beyond etc have been the most helpful for uh, helping the players or the DM keep everything together during campaign sessions. I mean, that's oh, the main I'm... one, right? D and D beyond has been awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, it's so, it's almost, I wouldn't say it's required. We could get, you could figure out a way around it. And if other systems didn't exist online, we could figure it out on paper, but D and D beyond is freaking rad. And the fact that we it's just nice because do it all there. It, it, lets the players self-manage see yeah. on the fourth edition had an online component that i used to use but i'd have to print up the pdf and give it to the players mm-hmm. and then print them up and bring them physically to the table mm-hmm. D beyond lets them just take care of all of it so it's great yeah yeah plus i mean being able to you know put uh homebrew like you know weapons or items and stuff into their inventory and everything i know i've found that incredibly helpful yeah, also, uh, just a quick note, I had to d- recently deal with this. So I was much more custom with, with Nash than the, the a character I just rolled. But they have a lot of sort of great pre-built options. Like, don't know what fi- kind of fighter you want to make? Try one of these. Here's kind of what they do. And here are some of their starting abilities. And you can go in and tweak those. But you can just do stuff quickly and get up to speed quickly. So I'm not even saying that's good for new players. I think new players want to dig through, dig through everything. I said dick, didn't I? I didn't mean to. I meant dig. dig through everything too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, just dick through everything. Just dick right through it all. It's but, a human condition. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but like a returning player, somebody who hasn't played for a while, or somebody who plays all the time and just knows kind of what they want and they just need to get a quick one-off two-session thing going, <laughs> they can just go in there and go wham, bam, bam, and there's your character. you got your cleric decked out, ready to roll, a couple tweaks here and there, and you're ready to play. And it's it's really nice that way. I think that thing is invaluable. And Roll Twenty's been fun too, because you know to, to put some visual with the spaces we're in, and you know know where Bo's talking about when he says there's a big pillar in front of you, and there's three guys over here or whatever. Like I I really jive on visual stuff. So for me, that's been huge. I really like it when we play with that. Also, a good notebook because as much as you can put into D and D Beyond just taking notes of things you want to ask the DM later or stuff you'd like to do with your character. Secret stuff, you know, mm-hmm. a good notebook. Always mm-hmm. a good notebook. Totally agree. Yeah, I make use of Google Drive. I have about 8,000 documents for the campaign. <laughs> <on there. laughs> 
Oh man, I need to switch over to Google Drive. I've been putting it in Word. That's a much better idea. It's just nice because I can edit it at different locations without having to do funny stuff. So I do it online. Yeah. Um, so as a follow-up then for uh, or based on Roll20, um, Alkabob uh, wanted to know what came first, the idea of traveling inside the Frog Hemoth or finding the tile set on Roll20? <laughs> Definitely. Uh... I found the tile set first. I've known about the tile set for a long time. And I was just like, oh man, I, I got to use this one day. And then it happened. The frog hemoth grew. And I was like, just the tile set. I made, a note, I made a mental note of this for a reason. How last minute was that? Like, did you know right before you were going to do that? Was it long planned or did you go like the weekend before? This, oh my gosh, let's go. We're going to use this stuff. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly when the super frog hemoth was revealed, but. I didn't plan for it. I had Order 26, you know, yes, there was going to be um, Monsoon's Final Rebellion. He lied to you and said it was a 26-block army, but really he had his own super, like, basically uber-soldiers ready to go and to kill everything. And no no real intention of letting you guys live except for Hope, because she's a tiefling, and you know, yeah. tieflings kind of prefer tieflings to other races for the most part, at least in this world. What? Um, yeah. And and uh, you know he, maybe he also know like if Nobieri was able to figure out that she's from the Ecumenos line, why wouldn't Septwin also seen this what he saw, being as clever and old as he is? So, but um, the army, uh, uh, yeah, it, I didn't think about the Froghemoth because for all I knew, so you guys were supposed to sneak quietly, and then you ended up getting busted and having a big shootout in, in Trashburg. <laughs> And then you got down to the frog hemoth and you decided to, you know, you guys worked out. You're like, Monsoon said we shouldn't kill him because they'll figure out something was up and come down here. So you didn't kill him. I was like, oh, wouldn't these like raging pixie hulks fight everything? And it didn't occur to me that like, why wouldn't they mess with the frog hemoth? So basically the week before I was like, <gasps> and the frog hemoth totally pwned these guys. Right? These pixie hulks are nothing to a frog hemoth. So that's where the, the ideas came from there. And I was like, I've got just the tile set. Here we go. <laughs> well, so yeah, great. like stuff, stuff is very much on the fly week to week. So surprising things that are, if you're listening at home, you're like, wow, I can't believe and I've seen some comments that I can't believe that you culminated in this big fight. How did you plan for that? And the answer is it comes from the players and what they do. Like the, you know, that's an area where I have no agency. So if the players do things that produce interesting consequences, there is no way for any DM to see that in advance. And if you're fortunate enough to play regularly enough where you can take advantage of these opportunities quickly, then they're there for you to use. So that's been a really fun part of, of playing this game in particular. Cool. All right, this is a question from Marco. Uh, I hope you guys have a chance of bringing the show to the next level. That in 2019 is what? A video game, a short movie, animated series, or just a very successful podcast? Hmm. Well, everybody always talks about um, the, sh you know, Here's here's the deal. So I talk to people on the Critical Role team all the time. They are in the middle of an explosive, monstrous, successful Kickstarter for an animated series based on their work. And it is awesome to see and follow and all of that. But for some reason, these questions seem to all coincide with that going on. So us and other D&D uh, focused shows are getting these same kind of questions. I don't know how I'm just from the broadcast side of things, which is mostly handled by me. 
I don't know how close we are to anything like that. However, we are in discussion about uh, books. We're in discussion about art, and we're t- uh, talking about projects that would involve both of those things. Um, Bo really going deep on the campaign and the setting so that o- others can maybe use it or play around with it. There's a lot of talk about a lot of things, none of which are sort of set in stone yet. But my, from my perspective, we're, we, you know, we could do anything. It's just a matter of when can we do it? At what level of support can we do it? Um, you know, what kind of things do we want to take a little bit of a risk on and see if we can't maybe kickstart or whatever. If people want stuff, then we'll, then we'll do stuff, I guess, is the answer. Um, but right now it's like mostly a focus on making sure we have a consistent show, that it's a good quality show, that it happens live in a good quality, and that you can get it later in good quality, and and that you're never sort of left wondering, you know, why it sounds bad this week or why the video is glitching out or any of that. That's the kind of stuff I think is really important for people who consume it. Otherwise, you know, anything else, we're making it hard for them to consume it. So we'll continue to make that a focus and then maybe build something from there. Who knows? That's a really non-answer, but I should be in politics is what I'm thinking. So let's dream big then. I would want an anime intro. Oh, look at that. Like, on. We all sing a part of it. It's an ensemble piece (laughs) and it's got that great animation and all four of us spinning around. What would each of yours dream, dream big? Did you say anime intro? Yeah, an anime intro. (laughs) (laughs) I think the... uh, I agree. I would love to see the fight where we came out of the, the math tunnel oh. on the back of the dragon and then fought a million dwarves. <laughs> I would love to see that animated, just that fight, because that fight was crazy. People got melted. Uh, Hope was taking shots at people with her gun. I killed somebody by having a mage hand poke the barrel of a Gatling gun, which I think is still... You know, I, I technically killed somebody with Mage Hand, which is just, it made me so happy. That was just a great moment for me. Um, you have Nash pretending to be dead and Varel swearing, I think it was Varel swearing vengeance yeah. on them yeah. for it. Uh, so <laughs> I, I just think that, that that particular fight, I would love to see it animated because that fight uh, was one of my favorites well now that you're saying pie in the sky stuff i would agree with that and say that it would be fun to see a series of animated shorts of our of moments like that um the 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 time where i put that dude to sleep by accident in the upper window and he fell to his death (laughs) would be a great pratt folly kind of animated thing uh watching you know varel dive into the maw of the frog of fearless and ready to roll is a very fun visceral visual in my own head and there's lots of little dialogue moments. And I mean literally, like, take the dialogue, take the audio from the show and animate around it is what I'd want. Uh, and if, so if anyone out there wants to do that for free, <laughs> let us know. We'll <laughs> we support you. Yeah, we support you. <laughs> uh, mine has to be a live show where we're all in the same room, but there's a smoke machine, razors, you know, like a like fire going torches mm-hmm. uh you know it could be foam but you know a little bit of castle around it and just sound effects for everything you know you shoot an arrow doop, doop, doop. love it yeah. i like that idea yeah, yeah i like that too yeah mm-hmm. we'll need a set designer and we'll need a foley guy a full-time foley guy yep uh, bo do you have your your fantastic anime opening idea do i have my idea 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we we, we worked on the lemon tree thing, and I think that might have actually worked for it, except eh, it's kind of probably, you know, the um, the uh, Let It Be song a little too much, a little too covery. <laughs> I don't not exa- didn't exactly clear anything, so it's kind of just a fan thing. It's parody. It's fine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean. I would love it definitely any way that we can improve the the production is something that I you know we're interested in but we're you know our focus is on the game and is on playing the game and having fun and seeing where this path takes us so you know if we're, if we're not making it ourselves and having the time to do so it does does, it does cost money and uh you know this is something we've been doing you know for the most part uh for fun for the entertainment for you all for the past year so yeah we'll see where this goes but um Yes, I would love. I would love uh, the anime intro. I would love like Kyle for us all to be in a room together. Like, let's just all move to Utah, not Phoenix, Seattle or no, Utah. No, don't, don't do Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> Seattle's cool. Utah be all right. Seattle be probably better because there's yeah. no snow. You guys don't want to come here. It's just the winter is just never ending. It's problems. Everyone's too nice. Snow. You don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just picturing like a uh, 80s sitcom opening now with like, you know, highlights from everybody. You know, you got Hope, you know, shooting guns, taking people out, Varel charging in, just bashing things. Uh, Stanley or Dientalis or whoever, just, you know, firing Eldritch blasts all over. And then Nash just uh, putting people to sleep so they fall out the uh, window. Uh, I picture Nash on the toilet. Like sitting yeah. like a... <laughs> That's his anime pan side. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the thing is, I too, mean, have- like the audio's there. Like we, I don't know yeah. if you guys ever saw when HBO did that Ricky Gervais podcast thing, where they just took their all the podcasts they had, where he would sit down and talk to Carl Pilkington and what's his other name, and they would just record these podcasts. They were just audio podcasts. Well, later he works out a deal with HBO where they take these things and they animate them, but it's just the dialogue from the show. So it's not reenacted. It's nobody coming in to do VO. They're just using that. I love that style of approach to this sort of thing. So it's not even that much work. I guess what I'm saying is if you're a really up-and-coming animator and just want to cut your teeth on some stuff to practice and have fun, like get in touch and we'll talk about it because there's so many moments like this where, you know, Varel says, don't, for, to, don't forget to inspect the buttocks when, we, when we're trying to kill food. <laughs> that would be a hilarious animated thing. And just a bunch of little shorts would be incredible. Sorry, Varel, you were or sorry, Kyle was saying something, but I cut him off. Oh, I I put a lot of thought into this because if we did all meet up, we'd have to be in at least a light amount of cosplay or dress yeah. as our characters. Right. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be shirtless on stage the whole time, nor would I want to wear a big lizard mask. So I think I've decided that I would wear a snakeskin suit. Oh, Whoa. nice. All right. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah, that works. I think that's in the spirit of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm just trying to picture that now. You know what, Kyle? You could totally pull it off. Yeah, yeah. I get it, like a, a gold chain necklace that has the, the eyeball medallion. on it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I like it. Right, well, uh, let's see. As a quick follow-up, I think Scott, you pretty much already answered it. But this is from uh, Zach Holder. Mm. Um, have you considered illustrating or commissioning another artist to draw scenes, characters from the show? I'd love to see more illustrated work for the uh, for the world. Well, I love drawing stuff for the show. Um, in fact, just doing the show makes me feel creative, and I often will will sketch while we're playing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had to deal. With, I forgot what these were called. Bow ropers were they? The roper. Yeah, you can't yeah. see it very well in this shot, but 
You think I, the ropers are bad? You should see the eBirds. I, <laughs> it's all thumbs up everywhere. But they were um, they they when we get going with a cool story thing or a little bit or whatever, I just get I get inspired and it makes me want to draw. So I'm always down to do more art in our campaign or or around the campaign or whatever. Um, commissioning other artists. I mean, we had a lot of people just doing it. There's a lot of fan art. Um, but yeah, like if we to to not to put a too fine a point on it, if we got to a place where we had a regular stream of revenue that we could apply some of that to those sorts of things, paying artists to make specific stuff, paying an animator to do some of these shorts. I mean, hell yeah, we'd do that in a heartbeat. Like without a question. I'm, I am the last person that would ever advocate this idea of come do a free thing for us for exposure. All that stuff I was saying earlier is kind of a joke because it's a, it's a joke with, with people who do commission work. People are always like, hey, I'll give you exposure if you do this thing. Don't do that for people. Uh, but if you're going to do fan art and stuff, that's different. If you're going to do that kind of stuff, there's a real community aspect to that that we love. But, but hell yeah, at some point I would love to, I mean, there are people like, uh, Howard, um, Howard Porter, a friend of mine that over works at DC most of the time, did the cover for my book in 2015 for my comic book. Um, he's amazing. Does JLA stuff and Batman and Superman, a bunch of flash work. Uh, I would kill to get Howard to do a group shot of our of our team and i think he listens even but howard don't come cheap you know like i would have, we'd have to pay howard real money so to, so the answer to the question is absolutely it would just have to it would have to make sense you know we'd, i don't want people to feel like they have to do free stuff so we would we would want to figure out a way to compensate people and yeah and, and that's that. that's been a line that i think we've all appreciated whenever anybody sends anything that they've just done because they felt inspired and did it Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I know for the official picture of Stanley that I use for everything, that was actually a commission that I had Audie Norman do, who, uh, has done a lot of artwork for our show. Um, and I've really liked his work. So I, I commissioned him to draw what I think Stanley actually looked like. And that's, you know, canonically in my mind, that is Stanley. So I know we're, we, we always walk both sides of that. We love the fan art that we get. And we're also, you know, not opposed to paying for it when we can and when we want to right. and are able to. Yeah, I agree. And uh, canonically, that's Stanley with or without facial hair. That is canonically Stanley with facial hair. All right. Although who knows how <laughs> he'll look in three months. Oh. I would just love it. One morning, Diantellus wakes up and just shaves. Mm. Good. <laughs> Diantellus wouldn't need to, though. Diantellus can alter his appearance whenever he wants. So Diantellus would just look however he felt at any given moment interesting that's just the kind of dick he is yeah yeah not john just making that clear <laughs> wait does that mean it was diane tallis who played such a convincing old man that day in the end yeah huh who knew who th- would have thunk it <laughs> so oh kyle's so got questions <laughs> he's so old and feeble yep diane tallis uh Dietalis did not pull off a very convincing Stanley, uh, but he did. He is capable of pretending to be other people pretty, pretty well if you're not expecting it. So he's he's not above it. Oh wait, you know, can you confirm a thing for us? As somebody the other day, and maybe I'm just stupid and I missed this conversation, but somebody asked me if Stanley is is a is a tribute to Stan Lee. Is that true? No, he's not. Okay. He's named after... I know a lot of people have asked me this too, actually. Mm. Uh, his name came from... I named him after uh, 
a used ship salesman from the Monkey Island series named Stan. Uh, And I just because that was the character when I first pictured him in my head, like he's this character that flails around and just talks too much. Uh, And so I said, all right, well, Stan. And then I didn't want it to just be Stan. I wanted him to have a very like a, a crappy politician sounding name. And I was like, all right, well, we'll make it Stanley. And then. I need a name that sounds like I'm going to be a rich politician. So I went with Billings because I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So, yeah, Stanley (laughs) Billings comes from a Monkey Island reference that I really liked. Nice. You know, speaking of being other people, uh, BPA Morrison asks, uh, Varel, how is it that you managed to role play as Kyle for a whole week in between episodes? (laughs) It's, It's tough. It's tough. I mean, a lot like like a lot like Scott said with the uh, with the pod thing. You know, you you plan for someone. In this case, it was very like Worf mixed mixed with uh, Brock Sampson, mixed with Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> like you, you put together all these barbarians. I usually play a spellcaster, and I play a lot of D anD D. So I was really excited to get to play something like that. And your own bits of you start working in. So. I really enjoy, you know, introversion. I like, you know, I like my two point hospitals. I like my roller coaster tycoon just being, ah, I'm locking up. <laughs> so that started sneaking in with the sands and the sand bath and the need to be alone after a big city day. And it just kind of weaseled its way in there. So, so he is me, but that extreme. Yeah. So what's it like playing a race that has an entirely different worldview than you? Like what, what has been some of the challenges behind that? Because I, we've gone through uh, different, you know, situations that come up where you, you're, we can totally tell that you're sitting there and thinking and you're saying, well, Kyle knows this, but Varel would do this. It's been a blast. I mean, it started from the fact that like Scott hasn't played any D and D and I played tons and well, I, played, I, I played a little when I was younger, but I never, there was never role playing and it was never like DMs I had were just, but my friends were all over the place. Like, ah, that's fine. Just let that, that's fine. He doesn't hurt. Just do that. <laughs> like it was real loosey goosey. And so I had a very long, I have a really strong uh, impression for much of my younger life. that D and D was just this loosey goosey thing. So when Bo suggested this, I thought, well, here's my chance to really get my feet wet. Turns out it's a lot more complicated than I thought. But anyway, yeah, like this is a whole new world compared to what I used to have. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yes. No, no. Limited it, limited experience, let's put it that way. And I wanted to make sure there was a character that wasn't going to be a leader in that way mm-hmm. so that Nash and Stanley could have their moments. And I was happy to take that back seat in the planning of things initially. And as it went on, I, I love Braille's plans that he comes up with and it became what was fun for me as the character. I didn't have to be the main character, the paladin making all the charisma checks to you know, woo the king. I just got to play with the other parts of oh, how stupid is this? One mate? That's ridiculous. Why would you? Well, <laughs> why, why the hell? Mm-hmm. Stanley? Fornicate already. Like, just get it over. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do have to say, I think... My favorite moment out of the entire campaign is still when Hope and Nash went in and dealt with like all those undead dwarves or the, the ghosts of the dwarves or whatever. And Stanley and Varela just sitting outside talking and just cutting back and forth. And the stuff that you guys came up with was so good. 
So just love that part. It was good. Uh, anyways, uh, at Callahan CBH wants to know, uh, do you think Varel will finally get a scabbard for Moss Storm? I've researched this and the sword is so big that the whole idea of like a link is impossible in, in reality. We can do fantasy stuff for a scabbard that actually like, cause links kind of goes in like sideways and then sort of locks in. If I'm thinking N64 style, uh, swords like that don't exist. You had a horse or a squire that carried it for you. And then when it was time for battle, you took your big old Zweihander out and, you know, battled with it and then gave it back to whoever was actually carrying the thing. So I, I, I like the idea of the, uh, the crisscross. I want to, I want to stay naked, of course, but I got the, the uh, He-Man crisscross and then having it go on the back, but it's just not practical. So maybe Bok Bok will carry it. I don't, I don't know. And, and I know it's been an issue for, uh, for Bo, because he, even the, the weird rewards, I knew about the Kromukishi thing, because that is such a badass, like, dude, Barbarian, don't you want to be awesome and have bonus AC when you're naked? But the character wouldn't accept it. Mm. And there were even emails where people were like, just, just get a weapon, Varel. Why? Your damage is so low. Stop meleeing things. Yeah. They were wrong, by the way. I like when you melee things. Me too. I like yeah. the the rassles. Yeah. The bites in particular, I enjoy. Those were pretty good. Just, yeah. just the idea right that he bites by biting things is just I love it. Yeah. So Ray Cash wants to know, uh, Bo, did uh, Varel slash Kyle uh, throw you when he decided not to sell his soul to Katobal Prey? Yes. Mm. But again, I should have known better. Like, it wasn't surprising in the moment. It was just like, oh, of course. <laughs> Why did I not anticipate this? Um, I mean, it wasn't the end of the world. If they all could have said no, mm -hmm. like, I just assumed, based on the way people were talking about level four, especially John, should I take ASIs? No, I want a feat. Feet sound more cooler. ASIs. And I'm like, oh, I bet you I can get them all by just giving them both. They just got to sell their soul. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. And, uh, you know, we, of course, added some other things on that. So, yeah, I was, I was um, not I was shocked. I was surprised. Yes, absolutely. I was like, oh, oh, Kyle has fortitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has, or Varel, I should say. But, you know, Kyle's role play is like, no, I have integrity don't consort with demons. Yeah. Uh, so I was kind of proud of them, to be perfectly honest. I thought it was great. They all could have said no. And you'd have a very different campaign mm -hmm. had they done that. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, Kyle, if you had actually chosen to uh, take the deal, is there a feat that you're eyeing? Just kind of going back and forth on if you should or not? Uh, at the time, I was eyeing the improvised brawler, I think it might be called where whatever weapon you grab can become a club proper. So I think there's it's improvised weapons. And then there's yeah. tavern, brawler. tavern brawler, I tavern think. brawler. Yeah. Uh, Cause you could up those dice from like D fours to a club, which would be what a D six. You can get clubs D six. Yeah. You do a lot more damage. Then it functions as a regular weapon too. So rage applies to it. So I did battle with the stats. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Adam Headenstorm wants to know, is the Eye of Groxel considered Varel's hidden or hinted artifact from Katobal Wraith? If I remember, there being an eye embroidered on the map with Varel's name on it. 
I don't know. <laughs> My gosh, these guys have good memories for serious. It's mm-hmm. uh, certainly it's um, it's an artifact uh, item on the same tier as Nash's Dragonheart and Hope's guns. So it's probably a reasonable conclusion to make that you know he didn't have to sell his soul to find the artifact that uh, was out there because all the whether Katobal Praith had revealed the artifacts to the players or not, the artifacts would be in the world. Jolt would have the guns. Nash's heart would he would have a, a dragon uh, metal pacemaker and just not know it and not be able to turn into a dragon and still have those weird visions. Remember, before you, it was revealed, we'd I'd often take Nash aside and speak weirdly at him, and he'd go, what's going on? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wait, just those... burst in flames. Yeah. Oh, the good old days. Those early days. Good old days where Nash just tried to explode. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, that was... I'd forgotten how bad that was for a while. Nash has been a much better... He's been in a much better place mentally since found, the dragon I found better ways to torment you yeah. that's the thing yeah you know, like a one note every time he turns into fire again great now yeah. we're giving you baby hands so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now for else the one who's just bursting the uh, you know in flames all the time so. yeah he does so intentionally i think it's his class mm-hmm. feature yep yeah, it was one of the coolest things about barbarians and in, in that path love it uh, so, Bo, uh, Zach Holder would like to know, or has said, uh, since listening to the podcast, I felt that I uh, felt like the There Will Be Dungeons was a neat mashup of the Witcher and Dragon Quest series. Strange and dark at times, but fun and light at other times. Uh, so for Bo or possibly anyone else, do you find uh, that you drew any inspiration from these properties? And if so, in what ways? Also, he um, says huge compliments because he enjoys both those properties as they are. So... So I, I know The Witcher. I've only played The Witcher 3, but I would say no. Uh, Witcher 3, uh, Dragon Quest, is that the video game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've never played a Dragon Quest. So unfortunately, no. Also, um, and I get this one I get asked a lot, no Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, when Metal Mandy got killed, I heard from a number of people who were super pissed that metal Mandy got killed because they really liked her and they like full metal alchemist. And I'm like, I've never seen full metal alchemist. So I don't know what this is. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, literally as we were starting the show, I watched the Mad Max movies and then I watched them again. And that's that and Deadwood have been the primary draws for non D D inspiration i would say yeah i was gonna ask you um, this actually every time we're in a bar or a new town i get a total deadwood vibe every time you take us in there yeah, yeah. you uh you didn't catch the full-on deadwood uh yeah, i mean the sapphire you... and the buxom confederate are literally elsewhere engines oh no i knew that but like so, even okay. even like when we go to like the weir or almost any place where there's social interaction and we have to talk to locals I have that feeling. Like you know, in, in Scott, any... you say you knew that, but you did pick a fight with Al Swearingen in the campaign. Yeah, because he's a bastard and he should be fought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go. With that was an epic time. moment, but I love that you did that. You know, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, just a guy out on a balcony. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of something that you would want animated. Definitely. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Finding that. him naked in the morning in the street. <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit of Trailer Park Boys in there as well. The naked in the street. That's yeah. a, definitely a, a Randy thing. Yeah, for sure. 
Let's see. So this is a question to uh, all the players from at Galabond. Other than the general Mad Max style setting, how much detail about Bo's game world were you allowed to know before creating your characters? That was kind of it, um, right? So, and this is this is where stuff's interesting. Again, it sort of relates to an earlier comment. Um, I think when I'm seeing a lot of the, you know, the DMs who produce content out there for their campaigns and seeing what they do, I often hear about DMs love world building. I guess they like sitting around thinking about what all the gods are, who all the societies are, what I have, I can't, I don't love it. I do enjoy it, but I have limited like threshold where I just get sick of it because it's too much. So the way I wanted to approach this was it's the wasteland, which means everyone you meet believes in the Oogie Boogie God. And you know, it's made up. So how do we know if stuff's made up or not? So I just said, you can believe in whatever you want. You want to believe in uh, Islam and the Prophet Muhammad? Do it. You want to believe in Pelor, the Bountiful Harvest? Do it. Do whatever you want. Because probably it's just crazy. Tell me more about and this we'll Pelor, by the way. Who is this Pelor? Mm. Uh, he's, I think, a Forgotten Realms uh, oh, okay. god. He's the god the of Bountiful god Harvest. Yeah, right. he, if you pray to him and he gives you his boon, you will have fulsome... Uh, harvests when you go to farm your fruits and vegetables. I mean, there's the only thing I will like more than a harvest. It's a bountiful one. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in your God. And well, you, you had the baseball guys believe in Paylor, and that was sure a big moment for me because I feel like I'm constantly a fantasy character trapped in a HBO special. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the fact is, way that, to describe it. the fact is, is that any god could exist, and that maybe they all do, and maybe they don't. Is Jesus Chrome real? You know, is the legend real? Is does the steel god and the steel heaven exist? I mean, Hope saw it in a pixie blush induced vision, so we don't know if that's real. <laughs> and it's just because. I've seen comments to this effect about the campaign is that I wanted to um, make everything feel like it was possibly just not real and just just question everything and everyone that you meet. Mm. And as we've progressed, there are logical questions with D&D. Like we didn't have a cleric in the party and John and I had a long discussion about it this week, but the the cleric, if you want to be a cleric, you got to believe in a god. And that god grants you. You have your power because the god grants it to you. And I was like, oh, crap. I'm glad nobody picked that because <laughs> I just went ahead and said, like, hey, we don't know if gods exist or not. But in D&D terms, the gods exist because it's literally the reason you have the power. So I think we may see in, in the next year of the campaign, even in Tiet Kala very soon, that the tieflings there believe in in um, what they call the savior gods, which are not the weir lords. They reject the weir lords, um, and so there will be gods. And part of the way I also wanted to design the campaign is I didn't want to tell the players this is the world you have to operate within it. I actually wanted them to be like, you know, it'd be really cool if you know, uh, we worship dragons or, or this and have that dialogue and let the players sort of bring in their ideas about what they want. And I've ha I think it was like 50-50 on the success because I think I think you guys, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, are just kind of like, well, I'm not sure. I'm not really going to focus on that part of my lore and character creation. So I don't know if it had 100% the intended effect there. But um, but yeah, I don't, I don't 
I don't enjoy doing the A to Z world building. I just I I think my um my juice, the juice of dungeon mastering is like the, the weird stuff that comes out in the moment. So I'm less of a of a person who will prep that. That being said, year two, I'm trying a new tactic. Uh, also, again, like I said, before doing this campaign, a lot of it was it's Saturday, everyone wants to play in DD, bring some stuff, and you know, it's an adventure module. Mm-hmm. And I'm making my own stuff up, but the gods are the Forgotten Realms gods, and who cares about them? I never really focus on that, anyways. And so I'm doing things differently next year. We may see some actual gods, some people other than the Weir Lords, more Weir Lords. Another great being. So, um, yeah. Does that answer the question? I just feel like I'm rambling now. Uh, kind of, but there's actually a, a good follow-up that uh, kind of fits in as well, uh, also from Galabond. Uh, how much percentage-wise of the organizations, NPCs, and plot points of the game actually came specifically from details that the players gave you when they pitched their characters? Um, from details when they pitched their characters? Probably not I many, th- right? I mean, no. The, the scope of the campaign when we first started was Dust Hill, so I wanted them all um, external to Dust Hill. That the Dust Hill culture was Dust Hill, that they were there, because in a Mad Max world, you have kind of two options: wander the wastes, hope to survive, which is Vorel's kind of take on things, or if you find other survivors, survive with them and hope they accept you, which is the scenario that everyone else found themselves in. They can choose between wandering and starving, hopefully not dying, or being close to a settlement. With the exception of Varel, who again can wander the wastes, no problem. He can hunt. This is his milieu, and uh, he just comes there for trade. And I was like, I'll answer all that stuff later. I'm just going to worry about what's the adventure this week, what's the adventure next week, and and all that. Okay. so it still does. I think we're finding out that there's a Tietkalin civilization. And I have to think about what that means based on what Hope would have learned. Like if, if they lost touch with the fact that, you know, it's been hundreds of years. At a certain point, your parents are probably not going to be like, you know, you're a princess. Probably not going to say that. Probably just going to accept that. Like, this is life now. We live in the waste and on a, on a ranch and in the desert. There's no point carrying on that secret maybe hope wasn't of an age where she could appreciate that yet and unfortunately her parents were well her mother was killed we know her father is still alive alive. um so so i had to sort of inform it a little bit on on the information that she's given so yeah that father's name is stanley the solar mines i don't know (laughs) solar mines i don't know what to do it kept it secret this whole time (laughs) Okay, I don't um, know what to. I don't know what to do with the solar mines, though. That's uh, oh no, we, boy. We we've got a s- small question about them later on. But, uh, <laughs> Just a small one. Damn I'm it! Surprising. I don't know. It's a small one, but I have a follow up or two. So okay. all right. <laughs> um, let's see. Another one from Galavon, really quick to the players. Um, did you create characters as a group, or did each of you work alone or one on one with Bo to develop a kind of class, race, and backstory for your characters? Totally alone, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mine yeah. was a hundred percent alone. Yeah. yeah, and then turning it into Bo and having discourse about what works, doesn't work, what we're going to kind of need for this world because it was so different from a fantasy land. 
and that was intended as part of the milieu again because i think for the most part you want people to discuss and have fun together but i wanted to be very much like yeah we didn't know each other total strangers coming into that Friendship is is very difficult in this type of world. So chat, chat room seems that. chat room seems shocked that I made up the solar mines. Yes, <laughs> I didn't but make up the solar mines. <laughs> keep in mind, Chad too. He came up with the solar mines, and he's been building on it ever since yeah. it got brought up. It's not something that was fully fleshed out, but then those stories started about what I used to do in the solar mines. Yeah, and like we heard Walmart. this in our. Yeah, movie. <laughs> so, so one of the things one of the things you have to realize about because there was a um, when you discovered your heart when we went to Katobal Price Domain in the Weir and you were being told you're being shown you had a vision of running through the solar mines. Yeah, that there's a real dissonance between what I described and how Nash describes it, even still. So I described it as this big guy. He's like, well, I'm going to get your dash. There's a little girl running around. And there's a, a sect of dragon sons who are uh, in a circle with your cut up body. N- Nash never talks about that stuff. He talks about, you know, the Twilight. Twilight. And, and <laughs> uh, he talks about going on camps. Like, like there's a dissonance between what I described as a solar mind and how he continues to describe it. And we we're not sure if that's PTSD or a mental uh, health issue. Well, let's have play. let's have a little or fun here. There, there aren't further mysteries because there are further mysteries. Here's the thing. That's what I thought. What I'm trying to set up <laughs> is imagine. Oh, what can I compare this to? Walmart. No. <laughs> a country club. No. Imagine like oh, there's one of these Starbucks. these uh, death love death and robots segments that's, that's kind of does what I mean. But let's just say Nash was and a lot of Nash's people were raised in a place where they were really heavily, heartily brainwashed to believe that that was where they were supposed to be, that their families gave them up, that they were put there uh, for great reasons. And let's just say all of that is a lie in the end. But the upbringing and the training and the kind of regimen of everyday life for him and the solar mines was designed to turn him into something terrible before he knew it. And so a lot of his knowledge and stuff that comes from these experiences, like, oh, that library books we had or those classes that we had or whatever, that's all from the time that it was all supposed to be hunky-dory and everybody knew it was okay. It was kind of like the island. And when you graduate from the island, you'd go off to this beautiful place and live forever, but really everyone dies on the other side of the door. Like it's that kind of brainwashy, hideous sort of uh really it's an abuse of children to 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 teach them that they are you know that things are not the way they are and so nash is brought up in that he eventually finds the truth in that and uh rebels against that and the harsh dark hideous dragon sun dark hallways dissect me and put a heart in me that stuff's all real but most of that happened out of sight and out of memory for Nash and all that stuff is, you know, he's still sort of dealing with it because he left that place in shambles and blood, which sometime we'll get to, but it's a fun, I, I people, it's easy for people to go, Oh, anytime a pop culture reference comes up, Nash is just going to go. Yeah. I remember reading that once at lunch in the solar mines, maybe, <laughs> but there's a re there's a, <laughs> there's a purpose to it. There's a purpose, a 
purpose and a plan. So there's that. All right. Well, you know, to piggyback on your uh, uh, your dragon heart pacemaker there, uh, the I believe the last question that Galabon sent in. Uh, I'm curious if Scott originally wanted to play a dragonborn, and if the idea for the dragon heart grew from that. At first, I thought the heart was going to turn him into a dragonborn until the first transformation. No, um, not at all, right, Bo? Like the idea know. came from an early episode where he Nash was in Dust Hill, and he wanted to be a human right from the get. I want to be human. I want to be gross. I want to have pussy uh, <laughs> things on me. You know, that was all Scott. He never wanted to be a dragonborn or anything non-human, and at least as far as we had discussed, right. Um, and at one point in Dust Hill, he's everyone's separated to do their own tasks. And Nash had done his real quick and then he hung around near the fountain. And I guess he <laughs> talked to some people. <laughs> and then he's like, he said, Have a heart. I don't even have a heart. <laughs> no, I think I said, and I don't even know if I have one or something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't even know if I have a heart. Yeah. And that, that stuck in my brain after the episode. And I was like, what if he really didn't have a heart? Uh-huh. And then I kind of made this connection where, you know, we don't really focus on it too much, but a major artifact in the world are the, the husks of dragon. In particular, the hearts are metal that do not corrode, do not require maintenance, can be used to build an engine that'll never seize up, that doesn't require gasoline necessarily, that'll just keep working. Um, and it is also the source of magic that these engines, as they run or just even exist, the hearts themselves emit mana waves. And I was like, well, isn't a pacemaker a kind of engine? And then, you know, light bulb went on. I was like, we got to get Nash. <laughs> we got to get Nash one of those. Yeah. And, and I had no idea. Because, because, like, having that stuff would probably kill any normal man. But instead of killing him, it's the source of his disfigurement that that somehow his body is managing to hold on by a thread, except for his penis, which was a great revelation, uh, top 10 <laughs> moments. Uh, Cause I didn't know that he didn't have a penis. <laughs> and, and when he said that my brain just kind of like you know, short circuited. Yeah. And I was like, no, that checks out. Like if, you know, well, the here's, sickened his body. Here's the fun point. bit. It worked out because, um, I thought that the, my deterioration was due to the to the effects of the solar mines, which is a, a whole other story. But basically, there's there's evidence of that sort of thing happening there. I just thought I was another victim of it. And it was just especially bad for me. Like, that was it. So I didn't ever tell Bo any of that. He didn't tell me any of that. I think that the, where we ended up with the Dragon Engine Heart thing just was a brilliant bag of happenstance. It worked out great. And There's no reason both can't be true either. Sure. You know? Sure. Because you did get the heart from the solar mines. Right. Where that happened, at least according to the vision. Right. And the idea that they are still getting me, even when I've rid myself of that place and fleed that part of my life, yet they're still just inside of me. And yes, I can use it for for what I need now, but that idea of they're still all this later and, and all the destruction I left that place in, they're still with me and there's nothing I can do about it is a aspect of his character i really like that was all bow all bow very cool uh brooke the nerd wants to ask uh, all the players how much backstory did you have written or planned out when you started the campaign 
I probably have the most, I would guess, because I know how I work and I know yeah. I wrote a lot. John's uh, the novelist of the group. Mm-hmm. So there's a <laughs> lot of Stanley backstory, most of which will probably never be relevant, will probably never come up, will never be touched on or known, but there's a lot of it. He's even Maybe got the George R.R. R. Martin hat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, you are where it is at. Nice. Maybe one day when we do, whenever this wraps up and we do our post campaign thing, we can talk about all the stuff that never came up. But yeah, I've got a lot. Uh, how about you, Hope? What was yours like? Um, I generally like to stick with the rule of doing enough to have a fleshed out character who has somewhat of a, a purpose and a drive, but uh, not enough so that the DM, if they want, can play with it. And create these secrets in these moments because I love being surprised by stuff in game. And you can't be surprised. I, I know I can't be surprised by stuff if I've laid out everything to be pulled from. So I like to do the major bullet points, the things I really care about, and then just leave the rest to chance and see what happens. Kyle, what about you? Yeah. yeah. I'm very much the same way. I like the bullet points, but Varel's interesting issue was that my intelligence was too high i rolled dice we rolled dice for our stats and i didn't have a complete crap stat to put in the intelligence like you would for most barbarians who can't read so he ended up being more intelligent than i planned so i worked in this sort of curious george thing that was revealed with the the man in the yellow robe (laughs) well i'm glad about that crappy stat roll because he's great like yeah. the fact that Varel, <laughs> it's what makes Varel different from other lizard folk is he's, he's got shit to say. I mean, yeah, you're naive sometimes. And sometimes it's, you know, your little Drax, the destroyer going on there, but it's, uh, there are other times where there's, you know, I don't know, there's heft to that. And I don't think, at least in our world, nobody thinks that of common lizard folk. So it's a, I think it's just nice that it doesn't fall under the trope of, you know, ah, he's a meathead who just, you know, loves strength. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you don't expect him to all of a sudden have really relevant insight and deep conversations with people. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scott, other than uh, some of the stuff that you already talked about with the solar mines and backstory, did you have uh, a lot more planned? Very broad stroke stuff. Very bullet pointy. I didn't go for anything too specific. Um, you know, we all made little mini radio plays of our characters uh, to start yes. with. So if you go all the way back to the pre uh, pre-episode one, I think it was just called episode zero. They were all kind of run together and you got a little bit more from me and others certainly, but I tried to keep it as sort of wide open and focus on core motivation, core personality, and sort of the traits I wanted a guy like that to have. And that's it. And then I, and, and again, because this is my first time in D and D really role-playing, that's been a really fun part of this for me is because I don't because I wasn't used to it or I don't really know the the common ways people go about some of that or I didn't leading up to it it um it's been everything's been just like the fun surprise that I didn't have to overthink before I you know we submitted our characters it's been nice uh Brooke also wants to know uh Bo was there anything that the players did that was super unexpected and completely changed the direction of the story Super unexpected. Um, definitely Varel not taken. Well, it wasn't. I wouldn't say super. It was unexpected. I guess it qualifies. It's super unexpected. Um, anything was super. I think 
again, not taking the chrome. Uh, I didn't expect Nash to fight the jeweler. That was, that was, that was fun. Um, uh, let's didn't see. really change the story, though. All that did was just put me in the dirt later. Like, that wasn't world altering, really. Yeah. I mean, the players are constantly surprising me. So, on the scale of super unexpected, I'm, you know, we're talking top 10 anime betrayals in the show. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, the players are constantly coming up with just fun takes on things and fun solutions of problems. I was actually quite shocked that, um, well, I mean, here's a big one. Hope firing the rocket launcher oh. in inside. <laughs> so I was very excited yeah. to give hope the rocket launcher. Kristen likes guns and she likes, it's funny because she also, I think, you know, definitely has a preference that we've talked offline about wanting to be a monster or turn into something else. And, you know, here's Diane Tal- Stanley gets to be Diane Talis. And Nash gets to be Dragon Man, and here's Hope not getting to transform into anything cool. You know, so it, it, she has her own destiny, which is different. She's transforming into a queen, if you will. And even on the vampire front, you know, it's like, no, she, I don't know that I want to be a vampire, but it's still there. But there's always a sense of transformation that Hope would, that Kristen would find really fun for a character. And, um, Anyways, unrelated, you know, uh, it's an arms dealership. Her character likes guns. I wanted to give her something kind of cool or at least hide something kind of cool inside the leftovers. So I gave her the rocket launcher thinking, you know, maybe they'll decide to shoot the wall of the castle down and, you know, get in that way or something. You know, in my mind, rocket launcher, all the pictures of rocket launchers when I was doing research about, because I had to make a custom item for the rocket launchers, is pictures of outside. Yeah. So here they go. They're going to hunt Blunk Oliver. Um, and I'm like, okay, cool. It's just in my mind, the assumption is they're in a dungeon. You don't use a rocket launcher in a dun- inside. It's not an inside toy. It's an outside toy. Mm-hmm. And there she goes. And she's like, I'm going to shoot my rocket launcher. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then I know it's a monk, too. That was just random. It could have been anybody. It was the most random thing. And I'm like, I guess I have to kill her. And I know some people don't think that it's appropriate um, because for the reflect missile action, you have to roll a certain amount of dice, I think, as a part of the save. That has to equal the damage or less. And mm-hmm. the missile's 8d8. But that's if the missile explodes. A monk can catch it without it exploding. You just go, think, think, and just chucks it back without detonating the payload, right? And the way I describe it, he spins around. So I'm like, well... It does like 1d4 damage, maybe, if it hits something without exploding, like it's a dud. And duds are not something even the rules on weapons account for. Like if you get a grenade, it just always explodes for 3d6. And I'm like, but they're duds, right? How much damage does a dud grenade do? It tunks you for one damage. So he catches it and throws it back. And all of a sudden, I'm like, she's dead. I was really unexpected. That was like the most unexpected thing that I had to just one shot her with her own attack. And that turned into a pleasant series of episodes where the players got to perform surgery and and give her actually cool new shit. So she had her own sort of transformation (laughs) with her arm and a leg. And that was all, I think a lot of fun for me as a DM because I didn't plan any of that, that, that happened because of the players. Well, that's actually uh, perfectly segueing into the next set of questions, which a lot of them have to deal with hope and uh, her mishap with the missile, actually. Um, 
so first of all, a lot of people uh, in their Outside emails were, toy. yeah, <laughs> mentioning <laughs> that specifically of toy. how do you fire a missile? It. Exactly. How do you fire a missile in a cave? And oh my god, did you not know it was a monk? And just like kind of going crazy about that. But um, one of the big things that I had a question about, and uh, I have to say that uh, Ryan Kohler did as well, just how close was Kristen to turning Hope into a cyborg demon vampire? Like, decision-making not within the story. Like, how close was that? Like, is that something that you actually were leaning towards? The vampire was the hardest thing I've ever had to say no to. The <laughs> hardest thing in D&D so far I have ever had to say no to. Because Kristen loves vampires. She loves the lore. She loves the power. They're fantastic creatures in mythology. Oh, and she would have taken it, but Hope. Hope would deny it. And I think the Terminator thing was really cool. And a, 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 a nice little alternative to turning down being coming home dead. But I mean, the world, there's sunshine everywhere. And I hope it wouldn't make sense. I mean, so many rules. If we're going with classic Dracula, you got to sleep on your home soil. You can't cross running water. You have to be invited in everywhere you go. I mean, there's a lot of stuff if you accept that kind of undead transformation. Yeah, I mean, mostly we, the sunlight and desert campaign. It just yeah, it just you're, make you're not going to be able to participate in all the daytime stuff. You're like, I got to take a nap, guys. Yeah, Have just going to sleep in the van the whole time. Well, like I said at the time, there's these books. They're called Twilight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll sparkle in the they sunlight. They just sparkle in the sun, so it was an option. I remember bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, was Cyborg Hope actually discussed with Bo Schwartz? Uh, sorry, with Bo, I was using a different name. That's how the Bo Schwartz. Don't call me Bo. We talked about it at uh, uh, BlizzCon there, but that was after the fact that it had happened because it happened right before that that break that we took. Um, as for it, like Bo said, it was completely unplanned, and I, it it kind of was kind of was serendipitous that we had two weeks to kind of sit there and think about it because I've never had a D and D character suffer so much physical damage. And it was really kind of hard personally to accept that she needs to really be punished for what happened. I mean, the, the fact that she lives was miraculous enough, but to walk away unscathed would just be stupid. So uh, Bo came up with a really cool idea to do the leg, the horn, and the arm and basically just obliterate one half of her body. Cool. And uh, I think that all that pretty much answers this, but I'm going to add in, in case you have anything to add to it. Um, at Ross A. Lamb wants to know how far in advance, if at all, did the players and DM discuss these major character altering changes like the Dragon Engine Heart or Hope's Metal Limbs? Uh, just curious how long some of these mechanics were actually in the pipeline. Um, so usually uh, it's probably a few weeks before where I get the idea or the scenario presents itself in the game. And I think in all cases of a dramatic shift, I've discussed it with them imminently um so but in a veiled form i guess right so john and i talked at length about like the cool idea of playing a second character within the same campaign that swaps that is the multi-class oh i think i might be cutting out a little bit a little okay. bit here let me uh let me change our region yeah hold on let's go central okay now how are we whoop did i kill ben <laughs> 
It killed Ben, though. Oh, Ben's we back. all made it, but Ben was destroyed <laughs> in the process. Ben's back. He's, He's back. Pretty, pretty good. Hey, there he is. Send his video uh, again. There you go. Okay. There we go. Um, so uh, sorry to continue. I think for the most part, I have the discussions, but they aren't always on the nose, right? So like, John didn't know he was going to have a, a host. We ended the episode with that thing happening, and then then we had the conversation, but it was too late. But we had previously discussed what it might be like to play two characters, so it wasn't. It was a, both a shock and not a shock. Yeah, I think early on, just one of the because when Bo and I were just getting excited about doing the show and all of that, he and I would just talk D and D in Slack all the time, and I would just send him dumb character ideas that I had. And one of them was, "What if there was a good aligned character, but when he went to bed and woke up the next morning, he was a bad aligned character, and then vice versa?" And it was just it was one of several really dumb ideas that I sent Bo along with a character that's just constant clones of himself and he dies every episode uh which i also enjoyed but uh anyway i pitched this idea of a character that's good and then bad and then good and then bad and bo was like do you ever do that for stanley and i was like yeah sure why not (laughs) and that was at like episode five and who knows it was a really long time from when it actually happened it has to be long enough so that he had forgotten about it and then then it came up but I knew yeah. he was into it because we had talked about it. Uh, I think Nash for the Dragon Heart. I just asked. I think I just. Asked, I always try and get permission. I guess if I'm going to do something mm-hmm. altering, because uh, we don't play, um, you know, epic grittiness version of D and D, which exists where your your uh, short rest is eight hours and your long oh, rest yeah. is seven days. Ooh. And you, when you take when you get hit with a crit or you go down, you roll on an injury table and your character sustains a permanent injury. Which is a version would I would find really fun to play. But we don't play that way, mm. uh, but I still I still like to produce consequences. But in this case, if I'm going to do something, if I'm thinking of something really big. I'm going to ask. I think Hope and I, or Kristen and I, had a discussion, like you said at BlizzCon. We, but it kind of happened. But I think if she's like, no, 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 I really don't want robot parts. I think we might have figured out something else. Um, maybe I don't know. Um, maybe she just would have been an amputee until someone learns to regenerate spell. And in the case of Nash, we did have a conversation. Pharrell, I didn't tell him about the eye, but it's not that. I mean, it's just an eye, right? Kyle, you're okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've learned how to sell it, right? Like the, I, the... I kind of know what you're into. You like <laughs> monsters and big shit and and um, uh, a, gro- a large grotesqueness. I mean, your IGN is often Tarrasque, which sort of sums up where your values are to me. So I kind of think having an, an eye is, is there and the prismatic scales, which also sort of makes you more, you know, if I can think of any progress, Vorel Kyle's the hardest because of that. I, I don't want items. I'm like, well, I guess I don't have to come up with any magic items for you. You're good. <laughs> you know, <I'm> like, <laughs> what is, what does Vorel want? And I'm like, and I'm really still, I, he doesn't want fancy trinkets. You know, we have the time off. I'm trying to figure out what people are doing with their three months. He's like, I just run a bar and use my money for the bar. Like, so great. I'm like, you can go and maybe shop for a magic item. And I still I've heard about everything except the magic item. I don't think he wants one. So I was like, oh, I can't just give him an item unless he finds something that he's interested in. And usually he's like, no, I don't want that. Except for Moss Storm, which worked out. Um, yeah. Yeah, so with Kyle, I don't. But then he's like, he's a DM too. So I feel like he's 
he sees the matrix a little bit too. So, uh, you know, surprising him is also tougher. Yeah, uh, I would say. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, for the most part, if I'm going to do anything altering to a character dramatically, I'm going to, I'm going to speak with them ahead of time. Let's see. At DBA, John Barhorst asks, uh, was it on purpose that Hope has to make a middle finger before her a uh, full fist to her arm into the bazooka? Or is he misremembering the hand motion? <laughs> I don't think it's a middle finger. Yeah, I don't remember it being for a middle the, finger. For the rocket launcher, I think you've got to, to like go thumb, this, 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 and then the arm opens up. Yeah. A little unlock code so that you don't accidentally, you know, you're not making love to someone and then all of a sudden your arm goes. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and I mean, like, she might give somebody a middle <laughs> finger before shooting him with the. Rocket. Yeah, yeah. I think she just does that. She's just like, mm, gotcha. But, you know, it's, it's not a middle finger. It's a unlock code for the, for the arm. Gotcha. See, uh, Carlin Noodle said, the evolution of Hope's character is probably one of the most compelling I've seen across any medium. Uh, oh, medium. Boy. Was this planned in advance or did Kristen wing it? Well, first I want to say thank you. I saw this comment earlier and that, that means a heck of a lot to hear. Um, it was, I winged it with, with everything that was presented, but of course you can't wing something well without the DM and the characters with you. So it was really cool that it all came together the way it did because she was a lost soul kind of had a purpose but didn't really and then it just evolved into this whole queen thing which i think maybe was the best way it could have gone for her as a character because now she has a home again she has what she lost she has a purpose once more which is going to be really cool because that means we can kind of have hope take a little bit of a backseat so we can see stanley and nash and varel have their really big character arcs yeah, I've got to say that it, it's very impressive seeing, you know, Hope grow from just someone who's working in a garage to, you know, queen of this this entire nation and everything. And it's been a really fun journey just to kind of, you know, follow along with you guys uh, during that whole process. So uh, i got to say, Hope's one of my favorite characters. Oh, well, thank you. I'm going to say that about all of you, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Hope is absolutely fantastic. And I'm glad that she's getting... Uh, you can only have one favorite, Ben. <laughs> oh well then it, it's definitely the dm totally my favorite character oh there you go i, I, I don't care, I don't care. smart answer for a yeah. guy who sometimes plays a gnome in the universe hey i have a i have a question can i ask a question of Bo? Where's, uh sure where, yeah i mean anyone can ask any questions yeah. it's more of a discussion than you know where's the where's the fate forum will we ever see it again <laughs> um the fate four is where you left it yeah, it's buried, so I don't know right? What you guys are doing with it, but we buried it. That thing. We got to go get it. Is all I'm saying. We got to get our oh, car yeah. back. You got three months. Put it on your list. All right. I mean, I so uh, I haven't heard from you and Nash. I haven't heard from you yet, Nash. But I, I got a novel from uh, John. <laughs> I got um, a large. I, I saw your text, uh, Kristen. I haven't read it yet, but I've got a large <laughs> document of decrees uh, from the Queen, mm-hmm. and I will have questions for you because hope for the most part you're playing like sim city because you're going to be like i want to do this and this and this and i'm probably going to be like you've got five piles of stone so where <laughs> you know how much stone yeah. where do you want to apply that stone and who do you want to make uh trade partners with in order to get more stone and stuff like that so i'll have some stuff for you it's not no but it's that um kyle we've sorted out kyle i think is living a, a humble life uh for the most part but 
I really like what he's done. So I just have yet to hear from you, Nash, about what you want to do. Don't so worry, I, I got a, I got some stuff. For I know you. you said you got some stuff, so make sure to include um, Fate Four. Mm-hmm. I think I think hope you mentioned something about a fleet of vehicles. Oh yeah, we got to upgrade. We got to upgrade yeah. the army. We have to be ready. We need range. We need guns. We need a fleet of vehicles. Could have camels for all I care. Well, we here's the thing. I'm totally cool with all of that, but I would I would admonish the queen, our new queen. That, um, like the General Lee or the freaking, uh, what's the Ghostbusters one? What is Ecto it? One. Ecto One. You can't replace that thing. So, at the head of your army, <laughs> you got to have the Fate Four. We can retrofit it though and like beef it up and monster truck Actually, that thing out. But te- teaser time. Teaser time. You okay. made it this far through the QA. Teaser time. Okay. Oh. Okay. Next year, there is a place where you could receive a significant upgrade to how you get around oh. the world. Trains confirmed. Trains confirmed. I'm not just gonna give it to you. You gotta go. Is it in the dock? Is that what I saw, Bo? There's something in the dock. It's not in Tietkala. Ah, that would be cool. Oh, unless I accidentally put it in the document, which I'm going to delete as quickly as possible. (laughs) It's toward the bottom. Print it. Print the pages. Go, go, go. Well, what? Just say what it is. Oh, it's the unused uh, waypoint sigil. That could be used oh, to no, teleport. Phew, okay. No, no. Okay. That, well, All right. That that's okay. That's intended to be in there because as you guys get to that stage of D and D, there are for the spellcasters transportation magic that's available. Mm-hmm. So yes, that is also another avenue. Not what I was referring to, though. I'm referring to uh, an upgrade on Fate Four. Like, oh. Like, I don't expect you to be level 18 traveling the cosmos in the... Well, maybe that it would be fun. <laughs> it would have been cool. coming out of the Fate 4 as you travel the stars. And... <laughs> I don't expect you to be using this for the entire campaign. Unless you really want to trailer park boys it and just keep that crappy vehicle. You also know where a dragon engine is. Mm. Oh, you can always... <laughs> that's, that's the hint. There is a major transportation upgrade in year two available somewhere for you all right capital m major so not just like a faster car that's like does 10 clicks orps orps butthole right also (laughs) spoiler number two (laughs) we're gonna do spoiler number two orp is in year two Oh, oh yes, yes. But, <laughs> but it's a contingent not on you finding him but you know depending on what happens and where you go and what goes on because uh, i'm planning this year differently i have orp okay and a major character arc for orp wow all right Aww. well he and i had a very we've been very close as you know and uh Looking forward to whatever that is. Oh, I bet he's been talking to you all this time too. Mm-hmm. Well, he's <laughs> gonna be pissed. Gonna learn about betray- well, he's betray- gonna be, he's gonna be mad at me and Varel because we're the ones that sent him on his uh, his fruitless vi- uh, journey. So we'll see how that goes. That's very exciting. One of my favorite characters of yours. Now we've got Orp, and we got uh, a big a big item. A big vehicular item. Should you find that treasure in the correct dungeon and all of that? All right. Teasers. Teasers are fun. So, Bo, Cody Smith has to say, I congratulate Bo and his DMing skills and have a question for him. 
How do you juggle your campaign story and plot hooks being directly tied to the characters when there is always a chance for them to die? Just in that example I gave with Hope, which is talking about other stuff that I cut out because it was a really long email. Um, <laughs> if she had died, then the entire Tetkala or Tietkala storyline from her getting her weapons to her being queen would have been kind of pointless. Say she had died due to bad rolls in the tunnels beneath Tiet uh, before finding out about her royal status. Did you have any sort of backups or ideas in place if worse came to worst? Mm, I mean, that's D&D. Yeah. Like, that, that's sort of the thing sometimes, and it's okay to make those comments, so hopefully I don't sound a little arrogant or dismissive, but um, when we hear like, oh, it's such a great storyline, or how did you do this, and, and it's improv. Like, even f- from my perspective as a DM, I've got to prep what's going to probably happen, but if a character croaks, then... It's not a question of, oh, no, my story's ruined. Like, you know, when they when they, w- w- when they die, the story goes on, and it goes on without them, and we'll see what that means, you know? Uh, and it's hard for me to say what would or what wouldn't happen because I don't really plan. <laughs> That's not contingencies I, I can plan for. I hope that the players survive each week, and the spirit of a role-playing game generally is that they're beating the monsters and facing the challenges appropriately but it would not be fun if the risk of death was not present so that's just that's just what you sign up for i think when you play D and and yes it's not required to make such a a story that's focused on the character's impact like you could just they could just be guards for hire and have all the characters not really really into the risk i'm we're taking here mm-hmm. it'll suck maybe if all that build up and not to become queen, but just to become another nobody buried in the desert. Yeah. Which I think we would all be sad about. Oh, yeah. Very much so. That would suck. Um, oh, wait. Chat, so room, you... chat room has a follow-up. Do I have my dragon, or does my baby hand persist when I'm in dragon form? We haven't discussed that. No. Damn it. Like an itty-bitty little <laughs> wing, just kind of flapping. Yeah, <laughs> all right, fine. I mean, we can. I'm... I wasn't sure. Again, when you give me your list, you might. Are you going to try and get that removed? No, or? no, 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 no. This is a permanent feature of Ash. He has a baby hand like on the back of his. Oh yeah, dude. Off. I am happy to have. I've lost so much of my flesh over time. I'm happy to gain a little. So this is great. I want it. You should totally go gangster. Teach so it how you, to shoot a pistol. Yeah. You're not worried that I'm going to do like an army of darkness thing and have a second Nash grow out of your back. Oh, I'm worried about all kinds of things. That's a great idea. Yeah. I'm worried about all sorts of stuff. I'm worried about all sorts of stuff, but it's worth the risk to me to have a baby hand on my shoulder. <laughs> to have a second Nash in the yeah. world? Yeah. <laughs> a little something over there. That's a good own. idea. That might happen. I just. <laughs> great. Right, then. <laughs> Look, if there's a second Nash, then Diantalus can have a snack. Perfect. That's right. Mm. Oh. A snack. (laughs) You hungry? Uh, Eat my baby hand. All right, go ahead. (laughs) That's a weird thing I'll never unhear. Yeah. Anyways, um, Bo, you kind of answered this on Twitter a little bit before, but there was a follow-up that I think can kind of... you know, be discussed. So, uh, Sloth and Camel said that they are loving the campaign so far and they just started episode 10. Uh, they got to the car fight and just have to wonder why you are always punishing the players. Stanley had a great idea to use laughter and succeeded, but then you punish the players by ramming the enemy car into their bus. There's a follow up that's uh, Babalu 3J said that he's noticed that you actually do that a lot as well. 
but uh, his guess is that in the heat of the moment and building in, or it comes from being in the heat of the moment and building tension. But he's also noticed that if the party doesn't make good decisions and exhausted all resources, uh, you usually have a, a remedy of sorts to kind of help them notice things. How, like, do you have a response to this on, on, on just the world in general and how it relates to the situations that the characters are finding themselves in? Yeah, and I've gotten this feedback quite consistently. Uh, sometimes people feel that I am, I'm harsh. And um, the word punish often gets used. I punish the players. And unless if somebody speak up now, does anyone feel like I punish them? No. Yes. No. No. <laughs> oh. I knew John. I knew John. So, so when you say punish, what do you mean? Uh, one time you had Kyle's critical one uh, impact fight? my toe. And not only deal full damage, but also <laughs> apply his strength modifier to it. Okay. It was so, exceptionally punishing. Fair enough. You were pissed about it. You didn't like it, right? <laughs> it's okay. Like you're not allowed to like things. But and I guess we use the word punishing. Cause pun to me, when people say I'm punishing, it means I, I get my back up a little bit when I hear that kind of feedback, actually, because to me, punishment sounds like someone's done something wrong. So I'm abusing the game to get send a message. Get back at them. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure that's what people mean when they say punishing because we use it in video game parlance to say, oh, it's a punishing game. Like it's, it's just every two steps forward, five steps back kind of deal. So, so I think if people find that, like, John, if you didn't like that, that's intended. You're not supposed to like that situation, right? Yeah. But it isn't meant to be punishing. It's meant to be shitty <laughs> you're meant you're meant you're meant to feel upset about it like it's a bad thing that happened to you and that goes back to again the milieu we've um concocted in my study of the mad max films i noticed i think i don't know if it happens in one i think it happens in one definitely in two or three there's always this double-barreled shotgun that max has that always fizzles and doesn't shoot in fact, I think in Fury Road, it's a callback to when it happens in Beyond Thunderdome. And I'm like, it just sucks. He just finally gets his hand on the gun or he gets in a situation he needs to. And you just see like these little burn marks where the gun should hit the shell and trigger and it just fails. And he's like, ah, it's super. It's just why? <laughs> and, and that's a huge theme overall is that when everything's going right, it's still going poorly. Mm. And and that is a thematic consideration, I hope, and less so the DM side. Uh, it's more just that everything feels like it's got to be five times harder to get done in this world because there's limited technology, everyone's starving, it's hot. Um, the other part of it is that I think I DM a little bit like it's a Mel Brooks movie. So if I find a funny thing to do, uh, I'm kind of going to lean into it a little bit. And so I think... I think when it happens to John, and I think in that episode it happened to John about four times, where I just kept finding, seeing you guys are players, and players are supposed to have fun, but the DM can also have a little bit of fun, just hopefully <laughs> not at the expense of the other players. So I do try to find where I can have fun, which might be sometimes uh, in in finding an unintended consequence that hopefully I find amusing and that you do too. But you guys tell me if like. 
I do something you don't like. And to be clear, I'm having a bit of fun at Bo's expense now with the answer to this question. <laughs> That's probably the only time he's genuinely made me go, what the hell, as a player, and like actually been like, what is going on with this day and this session? Mm. Um, I hadn't noticed. But... That session in particular was just, it happened to be John every time, and I didn't notice. So. <laughs> it was a rough night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, a, a lot of it does have to do with just the world that you created. And like you said, it, it's just it's how everything's playing out in the world and how things work. So, um, I mean, the players are kind of in that world. That's how it's going to happen. And unfortunately, if you, you know, the audience thinks that they're being punished, it's not a case of the DMs trying to win. It's the DMs acting how those characters would in that world trying to create entertainment within the context of a Mad Max world. Yeah. yeah. It, it would be different if we were in men in tights and, or, you know, like we were doing that role playing game or if we wait, there's you know, no, there's not a men in tights role playing game. Is there? I mean, we could make one. No, yeah. no, no, but no, like, no, no. But like, <laughs> I hate that homebrew it. We're just like good always prevails and bad is always there. And it's the temperament of your table. You know, some people, feel frustrated if they roll a 20 and then i'm like yeah you killed that guy so viciously that all the blood splattered all over the place and now you got to make a dexterity save or slip on the blood right and so for me i'm like oh it's hilarious now you're gonna crack your head open you failed you take five <laughs> points of damage uh that's me that's like personality and 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 having the players and dm sort of be able to find a middle ground that works is important some players are just like no I win because I rolled 20 and you do not get to do anything negative to me at all. Mm. And that's okay too. I, I really don't have an, uh, anything bad to say if that's how someone feels about how they want to play. So I really like that you do some of those things that it reminds me of playing um, Original Sin 2 or what's the name of the game? Yeah. Divinity. Divinity. Original Sin 2. Original Sin 2. And the reason I like that game is it, it also it did the same thing to me early on. I was like, I'm going to get you with my fire. Oh, no, oil's flammable. Bah, you know, <laughs> like you have to kind of think before you do things. And that's been a great experience for me in this campaign because I'm let us not forget episode one where I just about killed everybody or at least killed Varel <laughs> because I'm not paying attention to my surroundings, not paying attention to distance and that sort of stuff. I was really just kind of free ball freaking Diablo three in it in there. And then. I know what free balling it means, guys. I'm not trying anyway, whatever. So my <laughs> no, point I don't is, know what it means. What does it mean? It just means you're not wearing any underwear. But the point is this. Uh, I, since then, learned to be more careful, partly because you would do this stuff, and not just to me, to everybody. It would be, there's ramifications. There are, there's, uh, what's the other word, where you, you kill a bunch of your own dudes by accident. Uh, collateral damage. That kind of stuff that exists in your world, and I am 100 percent for it. So I'm I'm here to vote. I vote yes. The example you used was vote. like John did this super mega action and melted a guy's head from laughter. Right? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, he's driving the vehicle, so it makes like, sense. Like you could be like, well, okay, so he just drives off into a ditch. But I'm like, no, this is intense. He drives into your vehicle or something like that. Like that's well, that's all just to create drama. action and drama and to make it exciting. And, and and not to mention, I don't want to take, you know, ownership of what you had planned and all of that, but we also were all very aware as players that we needed to get to a spot that would divide Kyle and Kristen from the rest of the party uh, <laughs> yeah. so that we could go off and have a solo adventure. And so, you know, sometimes oh, right, if things right. work out perfectly, you know, that sometimes there are points in the story we do have to hit. 
and you know plot it, armor yeah. yeah and also what are heroes if they're not tested and have to overcome adversity they didn't see happening mm-hmm. or have to overcome something they did to themselves that's that's a huge part of growing as a character Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say Stanley and Nash's relationship is heavily defined on his uh, use of Thunderwave in that first episode. Mm-hmm. Stanley looks at Nash as this, like, geez, you know, I wish I could be this powerful with magic. And you are that without any effort and without any idea of how to use it. <laughs> like, <laughs> and and so whenever anybody thinks like, well, why is Stanley so antagonistic towards Nash? Where does that come from? It comes from Nash basically having something that Stanley wants and using it like a small child. Yeah. And Stanley, like it's insulting to him. And his his way of revenge on that is to be insulting right back to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that case of, you know, if you if all you want is to have money and you see some affluent guy out there just burning money on his front lawn, you're going to have a strong opinion of that guy. And that's, <laughs> you know, that was all defined by Scott just doing a silly thing at the beginning before he really knew how the game worked and all of that mm-hmm. and just doing a thing. And it defined, you know, a whole relationship in the campaign have to have those moments. Yeah, I agree. Plus it just, it, it set the cadence for what would come next for the relationship in those characters. And also it told me, it taught me that Bo wasn't going to let people get away with stupid shit. So <laughs> it worked out. I mean, good. You, you can't, that's the, that's the fun. That's the fun to me of Dungeons and Dragons is that it's not a video game where your bullets magically fly through your allies because your aim sucks. Yeah. It's like there's something to the ver- verisimilitude of, using your gun responsibly and not killing your teammates and having those consequences be there. I think that's what gives the game its life force. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So uh, mouse divided uh, said that they have zero experience with D and D and their, or your podcast is giving them a huge itch to try it out. So with that in mind, and this is actually directed at the person with the least experience prior to beginning of the campaign. So Scott, Mm. What were your biggest learning curves as you progressed? Oh, gosh. Um, Well, that was one of them that we just talked about, for sure. Um, That the world had rules and I had to abide by them. Um, It's not just cause three. Yeah, no. Yeah. (laughs) And it was also, boy, outside of that, what really? I don't know. Always cast enlarge on things. Yeah, cast enlarge is good. Um, Firebolt, your best friend. (laughs) Uh, move earth is a good thing move earth Bo is a and good i thing. not too long ago had a conversation where we said nash magard is basically rita repulsa from power rangers <laughs> <laughs> the solution to any bad situation is to just make something bigger oh, yeah, <laughs> she does do that it. that's true yeah. she totally does that that's hilarious um i hate her too she's terrible <laughs> um outside of that i don't know like learning how other classes work in a more intimate way has been good. Like I said, my experience with D&D back when I was a teenager, which in the last time I played, I was probably 18. It was probably really, first edition, wasn't it? It was probably, well, I'm not so that old. That AD&D? would have been like, <laughs> that would have been it like. It was AD&D, AD&D, second edition. Second edition. I didn't, I didn't mean to be a jab. No, 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 no. It would have been, I mean, yeah, it would have been about, I think probably second edition, I'm thinking. Actually, I mean, I played first edition sure. and second edition. 
<laughs> I'm not that old either. 1830, says the wicked kitten. <laughs> um, but uh, he, uh, yeah, like I just didn't appreciate it for its nuance, I guess. And so this was a chance to do that with everything, not just my own mechanics and the way I play the game and the way I behave in the game, the RP thing, but also the watching um, a barbarian uh, play out his role and what that means and what his specific mechanical uh, you know, abilities mean and how I can maybe combo with them. Like that's a lot, that was a big surprise that I could work with other players in a way that would create some really interesting scenarios. Cause in the, in my mind, it's always like my turn, my stuff, my deal. Okay. Your turn go. And it never really, you know, never really clicked with me that you could do. And I don't just mean like advantage stuff and, and things where you're helping somebody open a door or whatever and rolling advantage. I mean, just like in general, being a little more Avengers in our team than I thought we could. And that was fun to learn. Um, but outside that, I don't know. I feel like it's flowed pretty smoothly. Um, I like to shake things up and do something dumb once in a while, not just for the sake of it, but sometimes it may feel that way. Like if there's a throbbing green piece of shit on the ground, Nash is picking that up and he's going to check it out and he's going to look at it. And he might even, he may, he might even keep, keep it. it. Yeah. <laughs> he probably will even keep it because that's the kind of character he is. He's curious about the world and he wants to, he's not afraid of those sorts of things. So learning how to flesh that character out in a way that's interesting, but also back to what I said earlier about my feeling of protection for pod and my attachment to that character, my willingness to, you know, protect other creatures in that way. Since that kind of came organically learning how to, um, have that actually integrate well with Nash and not feel like a conflict was a, I I remember that feeling like a little bit of a challenge. I think it's been okay the way that worked out. So yeah, overall, you know, those would be, I guess those are my biggest takeaways. Very cool. And a much, a much broader appreciation of what it takes to be a dungeon master in in a game. Because the dough head I was playing with when I was 18 did not, there were not bow level things happening. It was dork level, and it was dumb. <laughs> Sounds so about right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, at Roberts, uh, sorry, Roberto Lazzi asks, uh, would you guys ever consider having guest spots for listeners or supports during an episode? Like a random vendor that the team has to interact with and get guidance from Bo, but can have some fun with it. I don't know. It just seems like a silly idea for maybe a one-off. That's a that's a tough aspect that I've always had a consistent group for. We've we bring people in and it's I felt compelled to create a side story in the case of Chance and Eddie, probably also because Hope and Varel weren't present. Um, I think we just need to do it. I just think uh, I've got for now I have my hands full, but we definitely I would definitely love to have some more guests some in the future. I don't know about in people playing NPCs. I don't see why not. If you know, it's just people having fun, right? So. Mm-hmm. there's nothing about any of that that doesn't sound uh, unappealing um i'm going yeah. to talk liam into coming on once if it kills me but i don't know if that'll ever happen but i want to yeah <laughs> and then just throw it out there my i have a stance about this i don't i have many soapboxes and this is a little one i have on about liam Wait. oh no <laughs> no not about liam. oh my god no strong liam opinions about to be thrown out here all right when you were ill and in at this point let's talk about it <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's fun. Uh, uh, when it comes to guests, and this is to any show, this isn't just 
relegated to uh, the D&D world, but I feel like the best guests are there when their characters serve a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. So that is always something that if guests are brought on regularly, I will fight for very hard because I feel like then they have a very strong showing. They have a great place to be there. Maybe if they have a harder time coming up with a character for a one shot, we all pitch in to help with that kind of a thing. But I feel like giving that person a purpose, a single goal for that episode really helps drive entertainment and enjoyment for everybody involved in the process. Definitely. Uh, and with that, uh, at Trumphole asks uh, it's a very similar question, but will there be more guests in the future? Ben and Carter were great. Thank you. But uh, maybe Nick, uh, Taylor or Kim could be next or oh, anyone geez. from the Frog Pants feed. Yeah, let's. I don't know if it'll be the family. My wife would hate this. <laughs> he just mentions the family. <laughs> um, but I, I think that there are possibilities. Like, I would love to see if, if again, if we ever worked out a system for doing this and it would be up to Bo and there's a lot of questions, but people like, uh tom Merritt would be amazing um he's he would be a perfect yeah. sort of npc or one-off type character uh there are other people within the network i think that would do really well i think ibit would be kind of funny um <laughs> there's absolutely those possibilities but i think the answer is still kind of bows like you know we'd have to take the time to figure out what i think that it's, co it's coordinating a little bit um it does take time to onboard people uh, depending on their level of interest in actually playing D and D, mm -hmm. so so I, I've I've actually reached out to a few people, and they're you know our world is unique, so there's it needs to be a little bit of introduction into the world, and it can take a bit of time to to I guess we'll just call it onboard people, you know, and um, because someone might want to play uh, an elf, but then I have to say, well, there are very few elves mm -hmm. here, so don't there's no silver moon. Um, so, you know, depending on what kind of elf you're think picturing, like I'm pretty easy going, but at the same time, there are sort of rules to this world. And so the few people that I have contacted with interest haven't followed up. I don't know if you're listening, if you want to play, I need you to follow up with me, uh, if you want to join the show. So it's also finding the right people who have a desire to, to behave like a goofball and play, play D and D play mm -hmm. a weird character. Yeah, playing make believe on a on a Saturday. Bunch also, of, bunch I of heard Kim stuff. was interested. Oh my gosh, she did say she I heard, was. I heard that from someone. <laughs> I think it was her. Yeah, she said she'd do it, but I said to her later, I said, "You know what that is, right? That's like us pretending to be people." And she says, "I could do that." And I said, "Really though? Really like like, like really do it?" And she she, and she pretend says, "Pretend to be Kim." Yeah, she might maybe that. I'm Kim, and <laughs> these are all possible. Wow, you're really not giving her a lot of credit. I uh, know. I don't, and I don't mean to make it sound like, ah, oh, she could never do this. <laughs> you're like, you're like the last time she tried to pretend somebody, she just, it was her. I don't think she'd like it, is, is all oh. I'm saying. I think oh, that she'd okay. like being with us, but I think the actual role oh. play part of it would, would give her stage stuff. She doesn't, it's not really something she has, but I just, it's just a feeling I get. It'd be like somebody it, said to me, hey, Scott, could you go make us a really fancy meal? holy yeah. shit you're gonna all be eating ramen dude because it's gonna be bad and that's a that's a tough thing DD &D is tough for people to begin with not every table even does role play and they don't have to um we feel a little bit like i think this is just everyone's stripe here everyone likes pretending to be the characters that they are but it's not right. everyone's cup of tea even off camera just playing right. D, &D. right you know they're mm -hmm. embarrassed about doing stuff like that so i don't know 
So you're saying Kim maybe doesn't? She might. I mean, she voices. she may. She doesn't want to. If I was to guess, she, she would go. Scott, I've got your nose. I've got your nose. <laughs> like, what are you doing? She's the baby man. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not her bag. <laughs> like a lot of people, it's not their bag. To do that sort of thing, and I. That's just my gut reaction. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But he's yeah. right. But John's right. At BlizzCon, she's like, sure, I'll do it, and I'm like. Do you know what we do on there? Because I don't know if you really want to do it. Like all I picture is just her looking at you with the weird kind of smirk on her face, saying, "And why don't you have a penis?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, there's some things she doesn't know about my character that would have to. Explain. I don't know. We filter in on quite a lot. <laughs> She's aware of some like, of your interesting. Well, can I play choices? a character that's found Nash's penis? Yeah, I think she may have even yeah, said I, in the car on the way to the hotel or the or the um, airport. She may have actually said to me. Is your character why does he not have a penis? What's that about? Or something? <laughs> I'm like, honey, it's such a long story. I swear it's nothing weird. It's just He kicked spur, it under the bed. Spur of the moment. <laughs> I did tell her that I said I kicked it under the bed. She goes, Great. <laughs> we just kept driving. <laughs> uh, you know, that could be a whole adventure. Oh yeah, sure. Let's go retrieve it. Let's get that thing back. It would be pickled like um Rasputin's. Oh, is that a thing? Is that a real thing? Get into yes, a jar. It <laughs> yeah, it's now you can. I think it's an artifact you can see in a museum. But they, um, he had a really large dong, and because he's Rasputin, it's I, the legend is that it brings good fortune, and so it's pickles. It looks like a baby's arm. Yeah. Um, hey, Scott I mean, has. Oh, wait a minute. Rasputin's dong. Oh, uh, it might not really be his dong. That's also part of it. I don't know what the. Uh, the veracity of the uh, authentication on the dong is like what the records are right <laughs> who knows how hard and deep they go on but like maybe nash's dong is somewhere in the solar mines on a pedestal and used as a magical reagent for some sort of evil that's being conducted i have oh, a God. theory nash is going to lose his ball and then <laughs> hey, we got to stop doing this show I'm coming up <laughs> coming up with campaign ideas on the show and they won't be surprises anymore that's true yeah, don't be brainstorming over there, Bo. These are good ideas. It's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I like it. All right. Uh, well, Caesar War and uh, Daniel W. W. Ferguson had uh, very similar questions. Um, going to kind of just mix them together here. Uh, so they ask, uh, are we ever going to see the little turds, uh, they prefer to be called gnomes, again? And uh, are they lost in the desert or will they uh, or did they become part of some entity from that underground prison and seek revenge for being left behind? Ben, you wrote this. <laughs> this is entirely two different people. And no, it wasn't me and Carter. Yeah, she didn't write it either. She has asked me this, though. She was dying to know where her where Eddie is. I want to have them back. I think it's time. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. You hear why that, they, Why don't they just show up in Tietkala? Maybe in a few few weeks after we start. Uh, this. All right. Let's, let's meet them. Yeah, it's long enough for them to we'll find out what happened. I mean, you know, I could say you guys died, but then you wouldn't be back on the show. You guys suffocated from lack of air. But I think you had an interesting idea. I think John related to me, actually, about the portable hole. Because <laughs> um, he has the portable hole. And, you know, he's able to survive thanks to some ingenuity and using the portable hole, which Eddie <laughs> was trying to steal the whole time. But mm -hmm. Chance was using to help them survive. Yeah, I... I brainstormed quite a bit about that and uh, told John just kind of what I thought he would do. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's I love that there's an a idea. Fun tale to hear about. Mm -hmm. And then uh, <laughs> Roger Brewer asked, and I swear it's not me. Is there uh -huh. a chance that 
chance could come back for a more permanent role. That sounds like a Ben question if I ever <laughs> I mean, anything's possible, right, Bo? Uh, anything's possible, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's a question of um, the story is very much centered on the mm-hmm. characters that we do have right now. And one of the worries I would have about adding any more to the mix, although it's not a no, is that even now it can feel like, you know, John's written a lot of backstory about his character. We may not hear a lot about that for a lot of time. The more time we spend on one person, the less time we spend on the other. Mm-hmm. And early on in the series, we spent a lot of time switching back and forth between characters while they were doing things. But I kind of have been drawing back from that a little bit because the fun is to be having everyone's playing together. And if I'm doing that a little bit too much, everyone's sort of excluded. So it's finding a balance. And so adding another person is, you know, it's like might be, you might be there as wall dressing and do some punches and say a few funny lines and then, you know, not be there. So Mm -hmm. uh, definitely it's not off the table. It's just where my head is right now. Mm. Like my head is full of trying to get these characters, their stories, um, that if we did guess, I wouldn't want to do one like every week or anything like that. But yeah. I definitely want to have Eddie and Chance back and see where things go. Cool. Nice. Thank you, listeners who asked those questions. Um, anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who are not named Ben, clearly. Yeah. No, totally not. Um, so, Scott, this yeah. is uh, for you. Okay. Uh, BPA Morrison at said, uh, I haven't seen Nash use any lightning spells for a while. Is he still scared after the thunder wave incident? Um, oh, a little bit. Let me ask Kyle if he's Varel. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I don't have, I don't, it's not that I don't like those, those spells. They, they have more terrain based considerations than I thought when I first got them. Yeah, we also still don't know really how Thunder Wave works. So yeah, let's just be honest. it's a little like, confusing. And every time I use it, like lately, the the opportunities to use it have all been sketchy because people are in, are in places where I'm going to affect my own team. And yeah, I can do some stuff to try to protect them, but it gets really complicated. So oftentimes I'm like, well, I could accomplish this just with a, you know, something like a quick cantrip or or even a, you know, some other spell. So I just I just haven't been relying on those given that the scenarios haven't been as simple. We had a fight a while back where I used Thunder Wave and it was great because we had a whole wad of dudes. I don't remember where the fight was. This is so this is a while ago. But just a load of dudes right in front of me and none of my friends in any risk. And it was great. Like did all sorts of great stuff. Same with Fireball. Like I want to use Fireball more often, but that thing's a little bit like hoping or gun. You can't just fire that off into you know and hope no, nobody dies. Like there's some serious collateral damage with that thing, so I have to be careful with it. So I'm just a little I'm a little less prone to go. Let's use the biggest coolest thing now. Like I'm a little more like this. Just calls for a couple of firebolts. Let's get in closer. Um, let's cast this or that. Like kind of my get out of jail card is the dragon. So if something's real rough and things are looking real dim, especially if I'm low on hit points turning into a dragon is a great way to sort of escape that, but also create mayhem for our enemies and, you know, give us a fighting chance if we're having a rough time. Gotcha, How man. does Varel feel about that? Cause that he's the victim and all we keep asking Scott, how he feels about thunder wave. And I'm like, Varel was the victim. Yeah. Do you have PTSD Varel about the thunder? No, wave? I, 
Well, I originally thought it was my fault, right? I activated some sort of door trap, and then Stanley told me the truth, but now I don't trust Stanley. So I still don't really know what's going on. <laughs> well, and if I remember, I think, we had a talk, right? Our characters yeah. ironed that out, and you know, I expressed regret, and and I, I think we're cool, but this dying talus bit has got you in a, in a you're in a different headspace now. He's not so much worried about my my crappy lightning spells. I don't know what you all are talking about. Diane Talos has done nothing but positive things for this party since he got there. Uh huh. I mean, yes, he I has. love Diane Talos. He's been great. <laughs> he, he did. He did kill George Miller, which was also another surprise. Um, I didn't expect George Miller to die, and in fact, had he lived just but a few minutes longer, had they given him the radio, they would have found out <laughs> that someone was. He would have been playing with the radio uh, and would have found out that you guys could actually hear yourselves on the radio and that hopefully would have clued in. And so I was like, I'm like, these guys really need to figure that out. I'm going to make, I'm going to put something obvious in here that they're going to put it together. So let me hear, get the radio. And everyone's like, George, you want a radio? Fuck you. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, uh Oh, Oh well, it would have been different without. They, they get, they're they're going to find out later and be pissed, but they're going to get what they deserve. No, it's 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 paranoia from Tedna because his character he was like, "I'm going to sneak on," and we're like, "Don't you, don't you, do- hey, owner of the town, <laughs> this guy's going to sneak on our thing. Make sure he doesn't." And then what what happens? So so George shows up as Tedna 2.0 and shoots himself in the foot. Really? <laughs> <laughs> he roll. I rolled a one. Yeah. <laughs> an unlucky roll. Yeah. See, I punished my own NPCs too, guys. Just to be clear. Oh yeah, no, I've never. I that's the thing is, you if you're punishing, you're fair. You you're you're universally punishing if you're punishing at all. Like I've never, I've never felt like you target us as players more than you would your own NPCs. Yeah. Except John. Except John. Otherwise, <laughs> George. I mean, George would still be a lot. You know who would have been a really good George? Tom would have been a good George. Now I'm oh, thinking. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about who would be good. I gotta stop doing that. Yeah, but, yeah. I well, I felt bad for George. Stanley was one of the only people who wanted George to live. <laughs> Everybody else was on the kill George train. Stanley was the one voice of, "Hey, let's not kill George." But I also knew that there was a ticking time bomb, which was the second they go to sleep and Diane Talis wakes up, he's gonna kill George. So well, I just thought it was funny that no one else tried to stop Diane Talis from killing George. No one else. I was really yeah. confused. No at the time. one else. I gave, I gave an opportunity for a reaction. Hope was the, the only one that reached. Yeah. And Stanley made it clear the night before we need to protect George for him. <laughs> That's what I thought was hilarious. That was basically me saying, guys, I don't know how Diane Talis doesn't wake up and just try to take care of this problem for you. Let's keep an eye on him, maybe. <laughs> Immediately just gets stabbed. Nice. Uh, see, there's a uh, follow-up for Scott from BPA Morrison again. Uh, are there any retcons in the plot or backstories that we should be aware of? Uh, specifically, uh, they think that there used to be someone that Nash wanted to find because he or she betrayed him while he was fleeing the solar mines. Uh, there still is. Um I haven't beyond like who that is and where we'd find them or any kind of stuff where Bo would want to swoop in and build that. That hasn't happened yet. But in my backstory of backstories, there is still a, let's just say I wasn't alone in my rebellion and, 
and then I've got betrayed by my, let's call them a partner. So that's still a thing. That's still a thing. It just need it just hasn't been dealt with yet. In May at one point. I mean, but I it, need to know this stuff if I'm gonna. Buy yeah, it. no, that's it's the other thing. Is I, <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't filled Bo in on those details. Teaser, Bo. Like yeah. I haven't told. Bo, I know you're that. a busy guy, but I, you know, I'm going to invent your own backstory unless I, I hear more of the information about all. Well, this. the truth is, you have so much stuff that it's like, I, I don't even think about it because you've already got so much stuff for us, right? Like, I mean, like I can fill it in. I have, I have lots, but I don't want to assassinate anyone's concept of their backstory. Like Kristen's point is fair. Kristen, I could do whatever I wanted. I can make up all anything I wanted. But John, and it's not, this isn't a negative, it isn't a reproach. You do what you want and what pleases you makes me happy. But it is more challenging for John because he has a very specific backstory that's already known to introduce any weird elements that doesn't conflict with his backstory and, you know, make him as a player not have as much fun, right? Mm -hmm. I I don't want to be like, actually, your backstory is nothing but a dream. But I kind of did that with you a little bit. But we kind of exist... The thing that I enjoy about your backstory, Nash, is that it's hard to tell if any of it's true. (laughs) (laughs) It it really is. All the other players, if if you haven't clued in, are just like, what? Nintendo. (laughs) Like... Like I'm just like it hasn't existed for two millennia yeah. on this planet, and, and yet somehow you have this in your head, and yeah. I'm I'm not uh, gonna say that you don't know that. Right, it's just some kind of weird mystery, all mixed up. Everything is true that you're saying, but yeah. And there are a lot of people. There are listeners who are like, "Oh, he's just trying to be funny on the episode. He's brought up Nintendo. Ha ha. That's funny because that existed before. Not at all. Like he." He had the the pop culture of ancient times, which is what these people would be looking at, is 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 a fascinating study for people of the waste. At least they were. At least that's what I was told and taught in the solar mines. Like, yes, the the biggest problem with all of this is I haven't told Bo a lot of that backstory or this thing about the partner. And this partner, by the way, is going to be like we could really have some fun with this if this person shows up in my life again, given who I'm with now in our three month downtime so, so we're just trying to get secure liam and then you'll tell me more. yeah when so liam gets on the show <laughs> when we get liam on everything will make so, sense so liam you're gonna be my partner <laughs> can you pay, play a hot lady liam he'll i'll ask him he'll say yes well that may have just given it away all right it was the lady i was with it was a lady. Still got the illidan voice yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's Illidan and drag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyways, I, I'm looking forward to hearing more, and it, it isn't a reproach. It's just I feel like I can take liberties with your background a little more than the other players because well, you, you of all of them have given me the least information. Yeah, I. I you're also very permissive, so I always felt like that was not not necessarily the best way to do it, but the best way for me to do it because I don't want to get into this business of locking it down so hard that that you can't do something crazy or creative. Because in the last, some of my favorite moments in the game have been complete fabrications of Bo based mm-hmm. on something dumb I did. Like, I don't even know if I have a heart and where that went. Like, that's that's so much better than me saying, I think i got a pacemaker that's made out. And like, that's lame if I came up with it. No, but it's, both ways are okay. Because that's what John does. So you're saying he's lame. So well, I'm saying no, John's lame. The thing is, to, to go back to, to kind of go back to a question that someone asked before where it was, 
you know, what level of preparation did you do for the character and all of that is for me, I want to know, I want to have the character in my head. I want to know what drives the character. And Bo presented a very cool idea with the world. I thought of, you know, well, you know, who knows if it's true or not? I don't know. Just go. And in some ways, it's like he said, that's that's 50% success, 50% failure. On one hand, it was very empowering. On the other hand, it did have moments where it was like, well, I'm not going to worry about religion because I don't know what the gods are, so I'm just not going to think about it. Mm -hmm. And I kind of hit that on a lot of things. And what I found was I just didn't have any idea who my character was. Mm -hmm. I had a a dumb on paper idea of he's a politician, and that was the only thing I knew about the character. And I was like, I don't know anything about this guy. And so I wrote a backstory to understand who he is, where he came from, why he would make the decisions he makes, so that when I have to react to people, I'm reacting how Stanley would react. That said, uh, I feel like, you know, this is really the first time I've seriously played D&D. Ben was my DM for a fourth edition game way back, um, and it was probably more of the mechanical, less of the role play kind of deal. Mm -hmm. So I would say one of the things I've learned going through this campaign is to do less with that character backstory stuff and walk it back. And I'm actually kind of glad that we haven't touched on a lot of Stanley stuff because I I feel like what I would tell Bo now were we to get into it is, hey man, this is roughly where my head is at when I made the character, but it's all malleable. Anything that isn't locked down, we can play with, we can go where we want with it. And I want to be surprised just like anybody else. I think, I think um, where we'll explore more is Stanley's less of a backstory person and the elves are more of a front story. Does anyone ever say front story? Is that, you have backstory. It's on the forefront. Front story, backstory. I don't know. Yeah. But with the elves, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of mystery surrounding the elves. So, That'll be fun to explore. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to go for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's funny because, uh, John, you said that when the first time we played, it was fourth edition. That's one of the best things about fifth edition is that it is so, you know, open with story and role play and everything. And uh, just my experience, fifth edition's definitely the better of the two. So I'm glad you guys are running it in, in fifth because fourth would be like watching someone do the mechanics of wow. And that's, kind of D. It, it it has it has its pluses it has like definite things that aren't in 5e that i that i use i like the concordance system for artifacts in it and also they had a real nice way of defining like you didn't just have orcs you had artillery orcs brute orcs mm-hmm. like the way they did their monsters were very strategic the game was very strategic like that's a game if you like tactics and like tactical play i think it's probably the best edition for that but when you have newer players that aren't really invested in knowledge of the game, um, I would print off character sheets for everyone that were 20 pages because even fighters, every ability was like a spell and you had to know how it worked. And basically combat was, so how does parry work or sly flourish? You know, and people are reading mm-hmm. it and trying to figure it out. So it was cumbersome if you were not like deep nerd. On yeah, everything had cooldowns on it. and yeah, yeah. Interesting and was, system. Yeah. So this is more lightweight, makes play easier, but there's stuff I definitely love about 4E that isn't in 5E. Uh, let's see. Charty wants to know, uh, will we ever get to see the Solar Mines? I hope so. 
that'd be up to bone, but I would love to go back there. And I mean, part of the problem is with backstory too. And this is something that comes up is it's better if backstory informs front story or what you're like. The story is not the backstory. The fact is you can write 20 pages of backstory, never touch it during play. It just helps you with your performance, with character names. The story is what's happening now. So maybe we'll go back to the solar mines, but maybe we can explore the solar mines through what's going forward, right? Yeah, there'd have to be a reason like, for us all to go and, and coming up with that that's more than just Nash needs to go get some revenge rocks off or whatever. It's probably Hope, not Hope's enough. never been to Tietkala, so it's her backstory, but this is new to her. So it's a new, it's a new place for everyone. Right. Uh, similarly with Varel, Varel is an outsider to to tiefling kind in a certain way so going somewhere where there is uh, a society of lizard folk would be a new adventure for him and not necessarily digging into his past even though that informs his play so i don't know that we'll actually go to the solar mines part of the challenges i think scott would have to run that part of the campaign because or he has to tell me what's in there because <laughs> you know i just feel like anything i came up with would be would fall short of the legend he has created with the solar mines well, I mean, there's the arcade, the tennis courts, yeah. the go track. There's all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You can experience your own solar mines by visiting your local mall. <laughs> <laughs> but I would never say never. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no. We'll yeah. see. I have ideas. Nash. Nash is going to get some story love, maybe. Yeah. Uh, next year, depending on where you guys choose to do. Yeah. Again, but I have plans. Okay. Uh, let's see. This is uh, also something that's a little mixed together, but uh, Adam Hedenstrom and uh, McDaddy86 uh, have a question that uh, I think it goes towards Bo and you know definitely Kyle as well. So many episodes ago, Varel was guarding the wall in Dust Hill when a lone goblin attacked him with rocks. That goblin has gone on to seal the hearts of many listeners. Uh, did either of you ever think that uh, when Varel uh, caught Bok-Bok, that he would still be around to this day? Let's let Kyle answer it. I've had yeah. lots of chance to answer things. No, no. I I assumed maybe we would drop him off, maybe make him chieftain. I think a lot of that goes to the actual saving of the the slaves that didn't get done. So Bok-Bok was born out of a never-finished quest. And now... <laughs> Uh, well, we'll see what happens to him. I'm excited about the, the growth of Bok Bok over three months. I love that answer. Mm. Like in World of Warcraft, where they give you an NPC for a quest, and <laughs> if you never do the quest, he just follows you forever. Mm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, Bok uh, Bok feels like the, the one character that we should have lost uh, just from uh, happenstance. And that's the, part of also my sense of humor is I give you characters that are like good and. and they die, but Bok Bok just keeps on kicking. Yeah, he's, he's great. I don't want Bok Bok ever to die. So he's just—he's well, it's not that he's despicable. I mean, I think that he's grown it. in our hearts so that people like him. But I really try my best to make him seem as despicable as possible. He's jacking off like in the middle of the room. He's taking <laughs> shits where he's supposed to. He makes a girlfriend, and the girlfriend dies. And he's like, who cares? <laughs> like he is terrible. And I think I think you guys enjoy him, and listeners enjoy him for that reason but like i mean you killed george miller and he yeah he was kind of shitty he hit a sandwich from you guys yeah but yeah he's nowhere near as morally corrupt as bok bok yeah but he gave oh, us man. mad max and 
babe pig in the city and we still killed him i can't believe it <laughs> i mean to be fair though diantalis has not been necessarily left alone with bok bok and has seen bok bok be far more useful than he ever saw george miller be <laughs> uh, so follow up for that um with the way that bok bok went uh you know they wanted to know if it was how the story went or if, if anything was planned but uh we've covered that but was no, there he was ever... created randomly in the moment this was not even Varel went off on his own, so I rolled on the random encounter table of my mind and came up with a, an abandoned goblin who attacks him. Very nice. So, was there ever a chance that Buttons could have become just the, the bestest friend of the group? No. No. Man, I... Hope, hope is against <laughs> Buttons sensitive. from the start. Yeah, Nash was <laughs> in full agreement. Did not want him on that car. Yeah, Nash was in full agreement. The cat was going to go one way or the other. and doesn't have to die necessarily, but... He was getting out. I mean, Button started as a love interest for Stanley. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) Another. I mean, with a pet owner kind of relationship. I know, like lovers. Really? I didn't know that. I mean, I've alluded to it a couple of times, right? Like, you guys. I didn't know that. You know, Stanley, John knows. He keeps cutting them off. Yeah, I did. Every chance, and I have, like, I obey, but yeah. Stanley's in the, the cat was in love with with Stanley. I didn't know that. I had no idea. <laughs> That's news to me. I don't know why I didn't and know that. What yeah. happens when you're in love with someone and they use magic to command you to go basically kill yourself? No wonder he was so upset. So he was doing what he had to do to separate him from the rest of you, bring him back to the Arcanum to get rid of Dying Talus. And, and then. <sighs> oh my gosh. This is like. He was trying to. He was trying to save Stanley. He didn't attack Yeah, it kind of does. He was attacking you, Hope. It kind of does change a lot of things. I don't. Oh, why did I not know this? I didn't know this either. Don't feel bad. I uh, thought maybe my illusions were enough. I don't mind revealing. I guess I I'm never caught now, that because that that story's over. Oh, interesting. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> no, I'm no, glad you did. I thought I thought I was alluding to flavors the tale. Yeah, this is like finding out Marty Mc, or uh, Doc Brown is Marty McFly's dad the whole time or something. I mean, like. he, it wasn't right. It wasn't like at first sight, but it was. <laughs> no, it was. Not. It was seeing how much Stanley did a lot to save you guys. I mean, there was some contrivance because yeah. you guys were all away and we couldn't do an episode, but um, Stanley braved the tar pits. Walked into a cave all by himself, faced a a thing like monster, like a John Carpenter thing like monster and a hag to to rescue all of you. Wow. That's pretty as brave. As well as a very angry, mind controlled group of people, including a Varel that smashed him pretty good. Oh yeah, and you guys all fought. Like you guys were fighting <laughs> against him too. Yeah. And um and Stan and and the cat didn't help. The cat was scared. He was he's just a he's just a scholar. He was a shithead, yeah. but it's fine. I didn't know you guys felt that But he that was way. in love. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> Damn it. I didn't know. I thought I thought maybe that that did get through. I'm so, okay. No, oh as if God. we were probably meaner in the shadow of not oh. knowing that, probably. Yeah. No, but that wasn't pointless because he was tied to my backstory of the university at oh. principal. Mm-hmm. So that started so the whole. Pharrell has opinions about the university, which are not like they're his experience of it so they're not wrong so perhaps even knowing that Varel would still be like he's thinks what he thinks but that doesn't change his opinion right mm-hmm. like no, Kyle, i'm, I'm yeah. kind of answering it. you shouldn't say that yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 
Anyways, yeah, no, ooh, a revelation today. Spicy. Yeah, yeah very spicy. The cat was. Well, uh, uh, we're gonna. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm just gonna say, yeah, uh, we're gonna ask a couple questions about some things that you guys uh, might remember, might not remember, uh, but uh, we're we're talking about the loot. Um. So first of all, Bruce Clark six hundred two asks: Does the team still have the podcast that belonged to John Scottson? Yeah, uh, I mean, you never know. <laughs> Mister Scottson might be on the inside track with Principal. I saw, I saw that in someone's inventory. Probably John's. Yeah, it's uh, in my bag. Yeah. It's a like, good guess because there's only two of us that carry an inventory, which is why <laughs> loot questions are interesting. Yeah. Uh, Lee's I mean, Morell has an excuse. He's a naked. I feel lizard. like I, I, I'll be honest with you. As I put that in early, that's very early in the series, because I thought it would be funny to do an impression of Scott. But then I kind of feel like I don't necessarily want to do that anymore because maybe it'd be mean. <laughs> All right. Like, I kind of. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of want to hear what that sounds like at some point. But but I don't I, even I know. It. I just I thought it would be fun to 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 meet the version of you that is podcasts in the desert. All right. So I'd be some the podcasting's guy... fishing. It'd be fishing though, not. Right, right, right. I'd be uh, whatever. I, the, I don't know. I don't know if that's a thread we'll pull on. There's so many exciting things to do. We may not just hang out with some sand fishermen. It's in the <laughs> bag. See. Either either way, it's in the bag. Yeah, yeah. Good to know. Uh, Adam Hendenstrom wants to know: Did Nash get back his necklace uh, from the Sapphire Brawl in Slave Town? Oh, um, necklace. The that would have blown up with everything, right? Yeah. The fire started yeah. going. I mean, Nash hasn't even gone back. I haven't even gone back to my staff. Yeah, my staff is still there, or it's still it at the coat room. Are you thing. writing this down? You should be texting me this when it's time to tell me what you want. Did over the three months. Well, I don't know if I mean my orb has been my little testicle I hold now is pretty good. I don't. I've been. I thought this nail was super important to you. It was. Yeah, in fact, <laughs> Adam <laughs> was. But that was so three months was, ago. So I got this cool I, testicle. I mean, I like the. There is a reason for the, the nail has meaning, but it's not a magical meaning. I mean, it's not like I'm gonna be tougher without it. It's just sentimental. I have a lot of sentimental yeah. shit now in the game. Adam's even calling it out too. He says Nash better get his staff back now that things have settled down. I can't see him leaving that nail that helped him escape the solar mines. Yeah, I probably ought to go get it. All right, Bo, write that down. We should go get that. No, you write that down. I got lots to do. Make a whole episode about getting our staff back. All right, I'll make a note of it. I'll make a note of it. All right, I have a note as well. All right. Uh, Jonathan Barber asks, Scott, have you forgotten about the blink scroll that Nash got? Yes, I had forgotten about that. Sorry, keep going. No, I don't know if it, it, it ruins his question or not, but I had completely forgotten, and I saw his question on Twitter. I completely yeah. forgot I had that. But you I were gifted by uh, buttons, the love of your life, a yeah. loving a loving cat. That might be why I bl- I blocked everything out. Of my there was a point when we were for the party. Yeah. We were hanging out at Monsoon Cabbage Table, planning our attack of the keep, and I looked around at everybody and said, "Does anyone have anything that can help us?" <laughs> and Dash goes, uh. <laughs> <laughs> "I got this old I mean, mushroom totally in my pocket. I got a mushroom. I got some." I have some bat shit. You need some of that? I got that. He's got detailed notes on the useless things he's picked up, but a <laughs> scroll of blink. Yeah. Nah, I forgot I had it. Don't worry about that. Probably won't come up. In fact, is it not even in my inventory? It's not, is it? I don't think so. That's the problem. <laughs> See, that's the problem. I, I don't think I ever put it in there. So this is just a clerical error. And so Do I, you still have the dead baby frog, frog hemoth? Uh. 
No. Yeah, we killed it, right? Oh, right. It did die. Yeah, I wasn't sure yeah. if you still just stuck the corpse in your pocket or not. No, I didn't keep any remnant of it, but it's fair to ask. Um, I'm looking right now. If I look at my other items, yeah, that's gone. She, that's not in there anymore. And I have, I do not have that necklace in there. What's that thing called? What's the name uh, of the it necklace? It's called the Periaptive Health. Is it an actual D and D item? Wait, you guys got that from the you? You lost that long before the Golden Gargoyle. He, yeah, he lost it when he got all of his items taken away by the jeweler. When he woke and up in the street, it was not in hey, the items. So you, you shouldn't have one. You don't you don't have one of those. It's gone. You never got that back. All right, but the blink scroll I should have, and I don't show that in here. You got Wait, your staff what? back. That's all you got back. No, I didn't get my staff. You, I don't have that either. It's at the, no from the jeweler. Oh oh oh, oh, oh right. So when you woke up naked, when you got back in there, you saw your staff was mounted on the wall. Right, one of his trophies, and then you know you got that back. But you didn't get back the rest of your stuff. No, you're right. I didn't. Yeah. Which is lame. So you lost your periaptive health thanks to that drunken fight that you lost. <laughs> I mean, if you would have won, it would have been great. You would have probably. I didn't even have a chance. Register and <laughs> I had no chance. I don't know what I was doing. You had a chance. I was just you irritated. Kind of fight with a guy. <laughs> a very low chance, but there was a chance. I don't, there wasn't a low chance. It was pretty low. Didn't he low. just annihilate me? Oh no, Orp guy, not Orp. Um, uh, what was the name? Bonk. Bonk? Yeah. Get a half yeah, bodyguard. Oh, right. Okay. He's like yeah, the, So he had no chance. He's the guy with the mustache in uh, Deadwood. <laughs> Bonk. Uh, so follow-up question from Jonathan Barber uh, to all of you. Uh, couldn't you have also used the ethereal plane to store any items and gear as well? Well, the problem is whenever we'd want to do that, we were in a place where we couldn't... We can't just go there from anywhere, right? We have to do it from a... You have to do it below ground. Below ground, and you right? have to yeah. enter into the place, which causes time problems. Um, so you guys have been hesitant, I think, to do it because of that reason. Yeah, it's not a great solution for storing items, but we have one now. Yes. Uh Maybe. Hey, so is that the purchase In you're three making? Three months time. We yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the purchase I'm making because awesome. Stanley's weak and nobody carries anything. Yeah. So I mean, I, this is not secret stuff. I've, one of the things I mean, we're leveling from six to seven during the three month break, and also they can retain the services of a magic item crafter to purchase items from a set list of magic nature. Um, so yeah, so everyone has the option. To do that, and they can use the money from uh, Varel's bank heist. Uh, his, you know, because he split it with everybody. Assuming you've let this happen, I just made that assumption. That yeah. It's yeah. yeah, it's a lot of money in there. Uh, so John is flirting with the idea of having a bag of holding, mm. freshen for himself. So that'll bring that solution to that. Yeah. Being the inventory guy that he is, he may as well. Yeah, being the guy who carries everything yeah. because of nudists and i don't know what do you, what do you want me to do about it uh, <laughs> it only makes sense <laughs> so true. okay if it's um, not a patch on a robe no. Mad magard isn't gonna carry yeah it. He, he has an inventory on his robe <laughs> yeah he got a robe <laughs> full of shit how to get him to carry stuff you need like a rowboat yeah you need a yeah. volkswagen bus i got whatever you need on this robe we're good <laughs> That might be the only, there might be more magic robes like that in the future. Ooh, I love my robe. That robe's awesome. 
I'll be happy. To so, have question: me. Do you think that Nash would draw a picture of something and sew it to the robe in hopes that it would become something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, it wouldn't hurt to try. We got three months in the city. Who knows? Is what Nash good at drawing? Are you skilled at uh, painting? Do you no, have painters tools? I don't have painter tools that I know. So he draw a stick figure, put it on, rip it off, and then a stick figure would come <laughs> into existence. <laughs> Like this abomination. Terror, terror yeah, exactly. Terrorized <laughs> yet gone. Wild wild love. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh my lord. Okay. Uh BP A Morrison has a question for John. Um, well, and kind of Bo as well. A few episodes ago, Diane's house drained magical energy from the corpse of buttons. Will Stanley slash Dientalis get any mechanical bonuses when doing that, or is it just for story? Uh, my understanding, at least as it works now, is it would be just for story, but depending on who you asked between Dientalis and Stanley, there's a real advantage to it. It's a real keen disadvantage, depending on who you ask, too. So, yeah. Okay. I think I, Bo, correct me if there's more to say on that, but I think that's probably all we can say. I think so, yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we're getting close to time here. So I've got a couple of questions left, but uh, we can only really do one more. Speed I questions. Think... Speed questions. Oh, oh yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. yeah rip through them. Yeah. Oh, geez. Okay. I got to skip that Say one. Say who we want answering so that no one okay. else can. Well, the rest of them are for everyone. So we'll all go <laughs> we'll real quick around us. the yeah. room. Speedy yeah. Okay. Okay, from Irk1045, uh, let's see. I love to hear how everyone feels their character actually developed. Oh, jeez. Uh, I like it yeah. a lot. It. it went real Glad good. Glad we saved this for the speed round. <laughs> Kick ass. It went great. I am, couldn't be happier with Nash's current state. There's my answer. Agreed. All right. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Kristen? Love it. Interesting. Right. That leaves it open. From from Densau, what is the most surprising character development self-imposed for each of your characters? Diane Talis. <laughs> what is the, the most... metal losing the limbs? Oh, getting to be dragon, man. <laughs> There's like words missing from his inventory. <laughs> <laughs> getting to be dragon. <laughs> I love that all these really in-depth, thoughtful questions were the ones right at the very end. Like, all right, let's get down to the core of what this all is for everybody. Uh, factions. Fa factions. Yes. Factions. I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. What's Kyle's answer? Frog factions. factions. Oh. Oh, factions. Okay, I thought you said fat kids. Truly the greatest takeaway for Varel. All right. <laughs> Um, what is the biggest quality your character most admires in the other characters? Oh, geez. They stick around. I don't know why, but they're still here. Yeah, loyalty. <laughs> Everyone's still together. Loyalty is my number one thing. Despite uh, despite I would say differences. For for Nash, it is power. For Varel, it is strength. Uh, for Hope, it is tenacity. Oh, nice. Sounds like you're just picking a class in World of Warcraft. You got to decide which spec yeah. you're going to do. <laughs> They're all true. Choose between the specs. Yeah. Yeah. Family. Right. <laughs> Family. Oh, that's nice. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, from Gray72, I'd like to know everyone's favorite moments of their own characters and their biggest regrets with their own characters. Oh, geez. 
Biggest regrets and I, favorite moments? Biggest yeah. regret is super easy for me. Okay. It's the it's the feat I picked as part of the Katobal Praith deal. Not only did I pick mm. not only did I make a deal with a demon, but what I got out of it, I so much. I regret it mm. uh, all the way. I did it because I didn't think Diantalus would be a thing, and then Diantalus happened. I was like, shit. Uh, so that's my biggest regret. Mm. Love accepting Queen. Uh, but now knowing what Hope knows, she very much regrets the deal with the demon because of all the shit she's going to have to clean up. I regret not saving Pod when I had the chance or figuring out a way oh. to protect her and her people. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's my biggest regret. My favorite moment was um, probably my first fireball. That felt really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty epic. You no. Know. You know, sorcerers at a certain level, I think. Do they get access to Wish? To Wish? I think so, but not till... Hold on. I can tell it's you. Gonna be, it's a level 9 spell, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's like level 18 or 17. It's I pretty high. It's on, it's on the sorcerer spell list, I believe. It is, and it's way high, but I can't find it. Yeah. It'll be a long journey to learn such magics, but perhaps there's a way for you to see Pot again. Oh, I see. Wish, eh? Hmm. Yeah, I can't find it, but I think you're right. Well, all right. Maybe there's another way to do it. Or maybe John can do one of his undead things and I can just keep her like that. <laughs> I don't know. My undead thing? Yeah, well, you talk to so you get to go have a conversation with somebody after they're dead and we can just keep them alive somehow. I don't know what, how it would work. blow up? Who? Yeah, we can't. Yeah. She's a bunch of dust, man. She's That's true. She's in your lungs. I got high up. Yeah, you're all, breathe, you're all breathing her. You don't even know it at this point. There's more pod. Uh, There's a little of pod in all of us. Let's look at it that way. Short answers. Kyle, Bruh. biggest regret. Uh, trusting Monsoon Cabbage, the first guy we met in town. Oh. Favorite? Uh, favorite. Uh, my, my favorite is uh, any like serious rock and roll moment. So <laughs> uh, probably the one where I feather fall to carry, to hold onto the sword to yes. get back up after I plunge dove the uh. displacer beast. That's pretty good. Yeah, that was great. Uh, Kristen, favorite moment? Oh, uh, ascending the throne and then all of the okay. tieflings coming back. That was kick-ass. Got chills. And John? Oh, favorite moment. I don't know if I have... I don't know if I can think of one. There's been a lot. There's been a lot. Anytime... Anytime Stanley gets away with something he shouldn't probably is my favorite moment. <laughs> uh, so all the time. Yeah, basically, whenever Stanley succeeds at something, deep down I know I shouldn't have, and it's therefore my favorite moment. Yeah. All right. Okay, two more questions. Uh, Luke Johnson also says, all we want are more stories from Bo from when things didn't did or didn't go according to his plans. I mean, there's stuff always happening that isn't according to plan. Probably every week, it's, right? Something every yeah, time. It's, yeah, it's the game. Like, the big stuff, I think, is what people are interested in, not joining the Kuromukishi Pharrell not taking the deal. Um, you guys, the, I would say the the torture of Scrolly Oilbeard definitely didn't go according to plan. Mm. Um, <laughs> at least that, that was more on me than you guys. Um, slave Town burning kind of wasn't according to plan. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good moment. Too. Yeah, that I was. I've been saying that list. since I got there. Yeah. That I was going to burn it down. So. <laughs> I know. I know. It's it's just um I think that's a getting 
getting not used to Varel, but getting to understand Varel. Uh, you know, I think when we were in the third town and Kyle's just like, or Varel, as Kyle, but Kyle a little bit too, he's like, I'm sick of humans. Mm-hmm. Like, screw the, why are we always in a settlement? And I was like, yeah, why are we always in a settlement? I keep doing that. Like, he's just going to burn this town down again. Now I get what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's too many people. We need to hang out with dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah. But um, there's lots. Those are the big ones that I can think of, though. Okay. Uh, and last but not least, from Whiskey Turnip. If the party were to stumble upon a dungeon that turned out to have not a final boss, but a Starbucks at the end, what would Hope, Varel, Nash, and Stanley order? Booze. It'd be one of those special Starbucks that serves booze. <laughs> they have one? Of... Just push her under a, a tap, and she's good. Is that a thing? Seattle, it was. Man. They might be closing them up now, but at least I know out here. I think oh, it's a new crazy. thing. I think they're hoping to convert more and more to the alcohol-serving kind of Starbucks. I was uh, unaware of that. We're supposed to get them, too, at some point. Ooh. That's super cool. Um, uh, I would get a, a chai latte hot. <laughs> Real simple. I actually want, there's the drink I want if I go to Starbucks. I'm into it. I would order the protein pack and then be pissed off that they put grapes in a protein pack. <laughs> <laughs> and I get the bean juice. Nice. Uh, Stanley would order water. <laughs> what would Diane Tallis right. order? Oh, who the hell knows? Oh, Jeez. he'd get a frozen. He'd complain about cream. how shitty it is because <laughs> yeah. it's not from the Fae. Yeah, yeah. He probably he would not be impressed with anything he ordered there. He would tell you about all the drinks that exist in the Fae that are he way better. Ask to see the manager. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> if the manager is a caster, he would drain them of their life. So, yeah. so he'd get a drink that way. Okay. Oh, yeah. and Nash, they, they make a little lemon cake there. Nash would get a little lemon cake. Just because he likes oh, it. Yeah. yeah. And Bok Bok would hide in one of the silver trash cans. And when someone to throw something out, he'd grab their arm and bite it off. Yeah. <laughs> masturbate the whole time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you just hear ding, 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 ding. <laughs> 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 uh, All right. Well, hey. Is that it? Was our last one? Oh, guys. sweet. Yeah. You guys killed nice. it with all these questions. Yeah. Thank you very Woo! much. Thank you, chat room, for uh, being here and uh, submitting your own little follow-ups in the uh, room there. But also, huge thanks to everybody throughout the week who who uh, contributed. That's just awesome that we got so much. Um, so here's the deal, just as a way of, uh, of not warning, but uh, announcement. The next two weeks, right? Two weeks. Yeah. Will be a one-off, or I guess we'll call it a couple weeks long uh, campaign. That John double will be shot. double shot. There you go, double shot. Run by John. Uh, he's got a really amazing world, and we've got new characters for it that we're going to roll for this two-week event. And then we'll be back after that. I got to make sure that's not the week I'm in Vegas. I got to figure that out. Anyway, we'll be back after that and pick things up for the new campaign with uh, Nash Varel, uh, Hope, and uh, uh, Stanley, and then who's the oh and Nash. Or did I not say who did I miss? Anyway, everybody, that'll all pick up after that. So <laughs> I guess you meant to add Bok Bok to it. Even Probably meant to add Bok Bok, but ba- but next week we got uh, we got that. So be here for that. It's going to be rad. And the next week after that, also John's got this really cool double shot, and we're all excited to be in it. I'm going to play a character I never play in anything: video games, D and D, tabletop, any of it. I never. Yeah. Play do you this all want to say what the name of your characters are? Because I think you all have names now, and. 
They're pretty great, Ooh. I think. Let's go around the table. Uh, Hope, what's your or Hope? Uh, um, Kristen, what do you call? I got I got to get her. I'm a I'm a holy person, a part angel. Uh, a holy person. I like long walks on the be- uh, Lay Alta. She is an Asimar. Nice. And she's an ass. Yeah. Lay Alta. <laughs> Nice. Uh, what's what are you doing there? Uh, I almost I want to call everybody by their character names. Varel, I want to say Kyle. <laughs> Kyle, what's your what's your guy's name? I will be playing Spores Meyer, the Druid. <laughs> <laughs> Spores Meyer. That's awesome. That's so good. Spores I haven't heard Meyer. these yet, so this is awesome. All right, Bo, you're normally in the DM seat. What are you playing? What are you doing? I am playing Inspector Baffo Salts. Nice. Sounds a lot like bath salts, and I and, and we talked before about this, but by, not by accident. It sounds like, so no, we'll see. Um, uh, I come from a, a rich uh, noble family, the Salts family. Mine is a, heard of us. and he's a cat person, right? Like a cat dude. Yes. What, what are they he's called? A there you go. I made a character who is a Goliath race. His name is Garpoon. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on the poon. Yeah, and he's a big old <laughs> monstery, huge muscular dude with two axes, one in each hand. It's the kind of thing I just never play in these in any sort of anything. So, Garpoon, Garpoon, and he's got he's uh, you can't you're not gonna you're gonna I'm not gonna do it today, but he has a an accent that I have been polishing. So. Oh, I'm so excited <laughs> about yes! that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So, oh, man. I'm not giving you a taste. I'm uh, about when oh. we can do your level one adventure. All right, I'll give you a taste. Here's a taste. Okay. Oi. That's it. That's all you're getting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all you're going to get. So, anyway, that's next week right here. Uh, if you're curious about how uh, all this came to be and you've only heard this Q&A, go back and listen to our old episodes. You can find it all at therewillbedungeons.com. Huge thanks to Ben. Thank you for being here and helping us out today, dude. Thank you very much for having me. That was Always awesome. A pleasure talking to you, folks. That's awesome. I, I look forward to possibly seeing your character in game again. And uh, what else? I guess that's it. Thanks everybody for watching. Thank you for listening. And uh, check us out. Oh, on Twitter, uh, there be dungeons. Get our tea. Check out our site. There will be dungeons.com. That's going to do it for us, for me, for Kyle, for Kristen, for Bo, for John, and for Ben. We'll see you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Teaser time.